1: All right, we're about to go live. live okay so we have obviously uh one of my associates, my co-host, talking i guess a little bit about the immigrant or I guess maybe the second or third generation experience with with our first guest uh Is that Mr. Andrew on with us? I'm here. Excellent. Uh, it has been a pleasure, sir. I have a connection to James Mass University, stretching all the way back to one of my old teammates, who I believe they still have an award named after because he unfortunately died uh, on the practice field after an accident. I was a wrestling and football teammate of a young man named Doug West uh, many, 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 many years ago. And uh, he, unfortunately, like I said, um, lost his life after a practice accident, falling off the back of a golf cart of all things. Uh, well, he's a student of James Madison on the wrestling team and on the football team there. And for, before I forget, congratulations also. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to talk last year, but you guys uh at least temporarily, the dynasty that was North Dakota State University at most of them will have a challenge.
2: Well, thank you for that. Yeah, that was a great run. Uh we had a great football team that year and um we accomplished a lot that year, so I appreciate that.
1: And you have you've had great coaches. Uh, there's a tradition of great coaches at James Madison. And there's been a lot of good coaches at the FCF level in the state of Virginia. Uh, the legendary Jamie Laycock down at uh William and Mary. Uh Coach Matthews, of course, applied his trade at James Madison for many years before He moved on, and then uh, Mike London, who, of course, eventually went on to the University of Virginia, but was a terrific coach in his time at Richmond. So I'm going to begin at the beginning, though. Tell us about your very early athletic career, and what were some sports you played as a child before you finally discovered football?
2: Well, I really started athletics when I first got into high school. Um, Before then, I I was a skateboarder. But um, when I got into high school, I really got into sports really heavy. Um, I started off with football uh, in ninth grade. Um, my brother was a, was a great high school football player, and he went on to play in the NFL for two years, and then he played in the CFL. But I followed his footsteps going into high school. That's when I started football. And then I got into track. Track and field is something I did for um, three years. Uh I was uh, competing in the 300 hurdles and the 400-meter dashes, so uh, that's, you know, a lot of people who know me always talk about my long strides when I run, and that's, you know, that's why I got it from the hurdle. so, but um, I also played some basketball my senior year in high school, so uh, that's where it all began. Uh, I really was a late boomer in in football. I came along kind of late and uh, only got to start my senior year of high school but um, I was blessed enough to receive a scholarship from James Madison University. Um, I had a great coaching staff down there. um, Talked about coach Mack, coach Kelly and coach Sarni. They, they believed in me. They saw potential in me and they did everything um, they could to um, give me the opportunity to showcase my athleticism and talents to other schools. So um, I'll always remember them for that and be thankful to them for that. And then, um, and then JMU came along, and you know, it was the best decision I ever made, committing there. Um, they were one of the one of the three schools that offered me. So,
1: got it. And
2: yeah,
1: going back to your high school career, what positions did you originally play before you finally settled in to your your football home?
2: Well, the only position I played in high school was defensive end. Um, I remember wanting to play offense, but you know when you have the reputation uh, of your older brother being a great defensive end, you you really don't have a choice. So I was kind of forced into the defensive end position role. Um, so I had to play that, and you know I grew I grew to lo- love that position. I grew to love defense, um, just the speed and uh, making the contact. That came later on, but. Um. Yeah, that's that's the only position I play. I know I played a little tight end at JV, but the um, that wasn't very very long. Oh, okay. Got yeah.
1: it. So, so you're not one of those guys that played four or five different positions. You've been a defensive end, and you got some defensive end linebacker your entire football career.
2: Yeah, defensive end throughout high school. I, I played some linebacker stand up. They called it the Leo position in high school. Um. And, yeah, a lot
1: of NFL teams
2: use the Leo position. The Jaguars uh, and the Raiders have a Leo in their system as well. Okay. Yeah, I got to play that in high school. Uh, my senior year, I had the opportunity to play in space a little bit. Uh, it was it was cool. And then uh, going into college, uh, I played outside linebacker, stand-up, rush-end. Uh, we called it the jack position. I don't know any NFL teams that call it the jack, but that was under with their staff.
1: Yeah, the Jack linebacker is used in, once again, several systems. A lot of the multiple systems nowadays where you jump from an even front to an odd front without changing personnel, they'll use a guy, a Mac and a Jack and, you know, a couple of different things so they can use those guys. I mean, Khalil Mac, sort of coincidentally, is a guy that's been used to play. He's played some Leo. He played some Jack. He's played traditional Mike linebacker. These are a lot of different places in the in the
2: Raiders' defensive system. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, yeah, I had experience playing Jack DeLeo and uh, defense. And Other than that, um, those are the only three positions I played. Um, they kind of they kind of seem to complement each other because you know I'm doing the same kind of the same thing. Um, but this past year, just this recent year. Uh, I resulted back to playing a true defensive end where I had my hand in the dirt, um, you know, every play. Um, so that, that was cool.
1: Okay. And for those who may not be familiar, can you compare and contrast your similarities and some of the differences between playing some of the things you've done standing up as as a Jack linebacker, some of the things you've done as a Leo, and then some of the things you've done as a true base end? How are those things similar, and then what are some of the differences in how you're used?
2: Well I'll say they're pretty similar in terms of um just playing the run and pass rushing, uh, just from only differences is, you know, you're standing up and putting your hand down. But in terms of having to get off the rock and um play the run, um you're gonna have to have your hands inside. You're gonna have to be strong and stern at the point of contact. Um that doesn't change. Um it's just different um just different stances. But um yeah, pass rushing is going to be the same. You gotta make sure you're getting off the rock. Uh, but um I w- I would just like to say it's just it's kinda easier to keep the edge when you're standing up in a defensive, uh, playing a jack position or Leo position. Um, sometimes people seem to get out of position when their hands in the dirt. But um I've learned how to do it both ways, standing up and my hand in the dirt, um, uh, keeping the edge and sending the edge being strong on the edge. So, um I don't know. That's how it would say okay.
1: And I'm yeah. going to throw it up also to my co-host, uh, who he's spoken with us a little bit about some of your, your things you two may share in common. Kofi, so, what kind of questions do you have for the Bulldog himself?
3: Hey, <laughs> Andrew. Uh, well, everyone, <laughs> uh, No, man, I was just um, – Well, going back to the uh, questions Bill asked you and you answered about um, – you didn't initially play uh football um uh, not until high school correct
2: yeah yes sir oh
3: okay so how many years of high school football did you play uh, i played all
2: uh i played throughout all, all uh, high school i got to play every year high school football um yeah okay
3: what um what how was the recruiting process and uh what uh, led you to finally settle in at uh james Madison?
2: Well, at first, um, Jay. First, I got a partial scholarship from Towson. Uh, that's when I went to one of their camps, and I had opportunity. You know, they had opportunity to work me out and go through drills and things like that. Um, and then Towson offered me a partial scholarship. I think that's that's how they do it. Sometimes they just offer people uh, partial scholarships, and you have to later on work your way up to get a full scholarship. Um, and then Coach Kelly came up with another opportunity for me. He got me a workout with JMU. Um, I got an opportunity to go run the 40 and go through some drills. And uh, a couple of days later, they called me saying they want to offer me a scholarship. So, um, you know, I thought about it. It was in the middle of my season. So I thought about it, uh, prayed about it. I do that a lot with my family. Mm-hmm. And then um, Delaware seemed to come along um after I decided to commit to JMU and they wanted to offer me a scholarship after I committed. And, um, you know, I'll, my heart was already settled and, you know, on JMU because when I went on the visit, it was just it was great. The, the facilities, the, the campus and the coaches and everything was awesome. So um, that's how that went for my college recruiting. Okay. Um,
3: yeah. You guys uh, in the last few years have really been, a, I guess I, you could say it, Mid-major powerhouse, man. Um, do you feel do you feel uh, partly responsible uh, of of bringing the, the school and particularly the football team to uh, national attention and and helping to recruit players going forward?
2: Well, I was blessed to always have a, a great coach to always coach me. Um, when Coach Houston and his staff came in, they they seemed to know the missing piece and the missing links that was uh that were in our team, and they really came in and brought structure to our program um, the first year I had the opportunity to play outside linebacker in a stand up position um and that was great um, but you know, I like to pride myself and also say that I did play a great part and had a great role in our run uh twenty eight wins in two years um just because of how much I decided to buy into my coaching and learn new things and affect my technique and make my weaknesses, my strengths, things of that nature. Um, I could pride myself and say I did do a good job doing that. But I also had great teammates surrounding me. Um, I also had teammates who wanted to work hard, who were willing to sacrifice things and put in the hard work and um, put their selfish desires aside to, Um, look forward to the big goal, and that was to win games and win conference championships and then also um, set more goals throughout the season. So, um, man, I learned a lot. I learned how to be a great teammate. I learned how to be a – I learned how to work on things that I needed to perfect. I learned how to take coaching better, and um, it it was great. Good. Cool.
3: You won the FCS 88 defensive player of the year, man. Uh, Was that one of your goals uh, that you set out to accomplish during the season and what were also your team and personal, other team and personal goals that you uh, set out to accomplish this year?
2: Yeah. In the summer, I set some some minor goals. Uh, Starting in summer camp and just summer training, uh, I set minor goals. Uh, Coming from our championship run into this this year, currently, um, I had a position coach change, and uh, they said, Andrew, we're going to need you to play uh, defensive end and be a true defensive end and put your hand in the ground. And I was like, oh, that's great. Uh, I did that basically my whole life, and I was recruited as a defensive end. So I was excited to just go back to to those roots and uh, be more technical. I feel like this year I learned how to use my hands and feet together, better, and Coach Hansen has taught me just to have more physical presence with my hands and hand placement and things of that nature. So I was excited to just uh, set those small goals, and then as I set those small goals and I saw myself getting better, um, awards and things began to roll in, and uh, I was like, uh, something must be going right. So I just continued to hone in on those things and hone in on my weaknesses and as the year began to progress, I just began to set more goals and more goals, and uh, I was just fortunate and blessed to have the favor of people in the country to recognize me and recognize my team as a whole. And I would always give credit to my coaches and to my teammates for um, all the help they've um, helped me to accomplish my goals.
3: Right now, you guys didn't didn't win a championship, so um, how, how did you feel after the season? Did you feel uh, – Knowing that your career ended, did you feel um, you feel you left anything on the table, or are you are you satisfied with your collegiate career?
2: Well, I feel like there's always something um, you feel like you can do more. You know, you just always go back, and, especially in those situations when you go undefeated for the whole year, and um, you know, you just you have so much trust and faith in in your team and in yourself and one another and everything that uh, things are going to go according to your favor and the, the way you want things to work. And then when you face a great opponent like North Dakota State, um, who, you know, obviously wanted to get the revenge after losing to us last year, and they came prepared, they came ready to play. Um, it was just a great football game. But um, I believe as a team, we can say we, we um, could have played better. We could have gave better effort in some, uh, some plays. But, um, you know, you just have to think back to those moments and learn and grow from them. And uh, you just have to appreciate the journey and the ride. Uh, it was a great year, uh, being able to go 14-1, and one, go back to the national championship to compete. Um proud of my teammates. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of my coaches. So um, I don't want to live with regrets. I just have to look at the positive side and move forward. Well,
3: You mentioned uh, that you – primarily played defensive end, uh, high school and college, but then you also played, uh, Leo and Jack positions as well. Um, how were, how was the transition, uh, to playing in the Leo and Jack position versus, uh, being, a uh, putting your hand in the dirt sort of, you know, for better, for lack of a better term.
2: Yeah. Well, just having to go back down and just play with a low, lower pad level, uh, learning to keep your pad level down because uh, you're in the trenches. And at times you, you take on double teams, you take on offensive linemen who are way more than you and are probably stronger than you. So, um, you know, being 6'3 three and, and 255 uh, pounds, um, I have to use my leverage a lot. And um, I happen to have long arms. I happen to be have a longer frame. So, um, the quicker I can get my hands from the ground to the breastplate of the offensive tackle or the tight end on double double teams will be on my benefit. Uh, I believe leverage wins over strength, and leverage wins over weight sometimes. So um, I had to use my quickness and my technique better. Um, so that's what I learned this year. You know, didn't win every battle, but I feel like I I won the most of my battles on that on that half. I believe that I have more to improve. Um, at that defensive end position, I have more to improve on the outside linebacker position, and I believe that any um, NFL team that will give me the opportunity and will, you know, believe in me and give me the opportunity to grow, uh, I'll take that opportunity and I'll run with it. But you, you're so uh,
3: Ultimately, you feel more comfortable uh, at the end than the, the other linebacker, outside linebacker position?
2: I wouldn't say comfortable. I just believe that um, any position that a team wants me to play, I tend to really pride myself on whatever it is they're asking me to do. Um, my coaches um, emphasized being physical and having um, being strong at the point of attack and getting your hands inside and playing the run. Um, and that's something I prided myself on very much. And on third down situations, making sure you're getting off the rock. So um, I just really – I really want to know what is my job, what do you want me to do, and uh, whatever that is, that's what I'm going to do very strong. So, um, you know, it may be uncomfortable at first, say summer summer training camp, but um, you learn to make yourself comfortable in uncomfortable um, situations. So um, whatever it is they want me to do, I'll do it. Cool. You, uh,
3: in addition to your preparation and going against an opponent, uh, you mentioned hand placement. What, uh, what else did you do to uh, try to gain an edge to beat your
2: matchups? Mm-hmm. Well, I also uh, mentioned my my length. Um, in terms of pass rush, I would like to use my length a lot. So uh, sometimes, uh, most of the time, I, I result to the stab move, and that's um, getting getting one arm longer than your opponent so yeah so I I really resulted that move a lot um trying to rush half a man and um, stabbing the inside arm and ripping off as fast as I can um I believe I sometimes do that better from a stand-up position um just because I feel like I have more space but you know I I believe I can do it also from a, a hand down position also so um Things like that nature uh, I like to focus on, and those are just some strengths that I look to improve on, but um that's just something I could think of password tries, but okay was
3: well, there a game uh versus a player where um, I guess you used all your your arsenal of passwordros moves and you you were not able to beat them and if so what did you did you were you able to make any adjustments or how how did you overcome that? That moment.
2: Yeah. That's a good one. Well when I think back to this year's game against Maine, uh, I had the opportunity to go against a really good offensive tackle. I, I'm sorry I can't remember his name, but he's 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 looked at um to go into the draft this year and he's but um he was a bigger, stronger guy. Uh, and at times I I thought first um I should let him know about my power. Um so you know, set them up with other moves throughout the game. So I started off with um, a power move, a power rush, three steps up the field, and then speed to bull and sat them down a little bit. So, you know, throughout the course of the game, I'll switch it up between uh, speed to power, and then I'll go back to stab move or, you know, I'll go back to a uh, club rip, something like that. So um, all game, I'll set them up on third down situations or if they would go passing situations on first or second down, I'll set them up, but uh, you just can't do the same move over and over again. You can't be predictable. Oh, that's right.
3: So how much time do you uh, devote to uh film study? And um, in your opinion, how much did that help you become a better player?
2: Oh, this year, especially helped me a lot. Um That's another thing. I, I've really learned how to do better. is film study. And, um, first thing I would do is um, uh, Coach Hanson, he would give us a film evaluation sheet and it would basically ask us questions and it would um, ask us about the position of numbers of the positions and the name of the people we're going to play and things like that. Um, Scouting reports really helped me out this year also. But um, those film evaluation sheets really helped me study um, things like the offensive line and their tendencies and um, looking – to see if the offensive lineman is leaning forward in their stance, um, predicting run and pass plays and when they're going to do that, what situations they're going to run and pass, uh, pass the ball. So um, film study really helped me out more this year so 'cause 'cause because I knew what was going to happen in the game. So, um, yeah. Okay,
3: cool. Going back just a little bit to uh, of your high school playing days, uh, Again, um, I'm very familiar with the DMV area, so is Bill. And um, can you tell us about some guys you competed with uh, that um, that are uh, in college now or, or actually uh, preparing to, just like yourself, preparing themselves for
2: the
3: NFL draft?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, I believe i played with some great high school football players. Um, one that really comes to mind really, you know, immediately is Marcus Newby. And um, he went on to play at Nebraska, where my brother played at. Um, so uh, Marcus Newby's a great talent, great athlete, and um, I believe he went into the right system at Nebraska. Um, I believe he can play all around the line, outside linebacker, middle linebacker. Um, Marcus Newby, um, uh, I know other guys, they didn't measure it like I did, so they went a year before me and they graduated. But um, – I would think about Darnell Leslie, uh, who was a couple years before me also, but he, he's still, you know, making a run at the NFL, things like that. So um, that's that's all that comes to mind right now. Good, good stuff, man. Um,
3: yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Uh, again, Bill, um, I have, that's all I have for now. I definitely before the end of this interview, Andrew, I'll have a few more questions for you, man, just see see, see, see uh, how the uh, – FCS player, defense player of the year thinks, man. We we still got a lot more picking to do, man.
2: Okay. That sounds good. Thank you.
3: Well,
1: I'd like to talk about your trip up the depth chart. Obviously, when you get to James Madison, as you mentioned, it's a quality program with a tradition of winning. There's good players already waiting, you know, stacked ahead of you. Tell me about the guys that helped you. Uh, could be coaches, could be veteran players, to adapt to the college game. And I got to start with what we call your welcome to college football moment, Andrew. What was the moment that woke you up in the fact? The first thing is that, oh, this isn't high school anymore.
2: (laughs) Well, man, that was was a fun transition. But um, it was a gradual and it was a slow transition that um, I believe it wasn't as slow as it was in high school where it took my senior year to play. But it definitely was a slow and rough, tough transition. Um, going through coaching changes, going through position changes, um, going through three different head coaches, three different strength coaches, and just always having to adapt and change. I believe that that helps aid me in my um, just being able to adapt and change in terms of being resilient and just having to learn new things every year. So, but – um I'll just start with the welcome to college football moment. I just remember my my true freshman year going into camp and then uh, going to a team situation and uh, having to pass rush against Josh Wells. He's an uh, offensive tackle. Uh, I think he's with the Jags now, but uh, he, he's been playing. He's still in the league now. And, um, you know, I thought I could do what I did in high school, just come off the rock and bull rush. But, uh, you know, he sat me down really quick, you know. He he locked me up and sat me down, and I wasn't sure what to do after that. So um, after that practice, I just made sure I was really focused in the film room and just looking at the older guys and look what they did when they got in tough situations in pass rush and what they would do. And, you know, that took some time to learn, you know. I feel like getting reps, you know, mental reps is one thing, but going out there and, you know, getting physical reps is another thing. And, you know, just – it's all about, you know, this game's a lot mental, but also you have to get out there and put it to the test. But so that took a while. But uh, going back to coaching changes, um, just having to adapt. You know, Coach Withers uh, taking me in, from a defensive end when I was recruited by Coach Matthews, going and changing to an outside linebacker position was interesting and having to learn. I looked up to guys like Sage Harold and uh, Brandon Lee, Um Terrell. Yeah, Sage Harrell. <laughs> you know I have Sage have
1: I have a pretty strong connection to Sage Harrell. I have talked to Sage Harrell. He's he been on my show, and I was a teammate of one of his, one of his uncles. Um, okay. I went to Greenwood High School, and our best wide receiver was Maurice Harrell. Uh,
2: okay. Sage. Yeah, I, I looked up to Sage. I really did. Um, just because I, I saw his athletic ability and what he could do. Like, just how he took off the ball so well and how he played which just great determination. You know, I feel like my, my redshirt sophomore year, um, a lot of my game was kind of imitated after Sage, you know, just in terms of being relentless and getting the ball, get, getting after the ball, getting the ball carrier and trying to rip the ball out. You know, Sage was great at that. And, um, you know, his... Um, his uncle Eli Harold, you know, I also liked his game also. So I just, I just remember that year, you know, trying to be the best outside guy I can be, just studying off those guys, you know, looking at Eli Harold, looking at Sage Harold, looking at how they played, and <clears throat> I would look, look at a lot of, sorry, excuse me, <clears throat> look at a lot of Vic Beasley and things of like that nature. So, um, yeah, that's just that's just about the transition, but. Um, and then having to go from Coach Withers' staff to learning what Coach Houston and his staff wanted us to do was another transition and uh, another thing that allowed me to grow as, as a football player um, to better my skills and just learn more. So,
1: yeah. Well, it's, now,
2: do you still keep in contact with some of those guys? Oh, yeah. At times, I, I – I'll have the opportunity to talk to Sage. I know that I kind of got off social media a little bit. You know, I got off of Instagram and stuff just to stay focused. Uh, I know the only platform I have is um, Twitter right now and Facebook, but uh, I do have their numbers. And, you know, I reach out to some of them just for um, information and guidance. Um, I know the past veteran and someone who's um, pretty established in the NFL right now that I had the opportunity to get advice from was Arthur Motes. And um, Arthur just told me about, you know, you know, being patient and just grinding like you do, you know, grind like you did to get to jam, you grind like you did to get to the point that you are now and just um, being humble and being patient about everything that's getting ready to happen. And, you know, I really just suck in all all those nuggets that those guys tell me. I always talk to my brother too, and it's always helped me. Yeah. Well, I, I
1: had great pleasure watching Dean Marlowe. And um they have safety allies too, whose name is escaping me uh, from a couple of years back. Um uh it'll come back to me probably later. But you you found some just great mentors, some great people. Uh and that's what, that's what we talk about. People always say things like football is family, and some of these things become sort of slogans, but I don't want people to understand just how much time football players spend around each other. I think people who've never played the game would assume that you have practice and you, you know, you have games, but they don't get realize how much time you guys spend each other, around each other off the practice field and not even in game situations. So who are some of the guys that you shouldn't spend a lot of time with, even non-pure football time? Like actual personal time when you could be, I don't know, Bowling or watching TV. I mean, who who's your clique or your group or your guys that you hang with, even when it's not mandatory?
2: Well, I tend to always stick to um, people who are in my class. Uh, I, I'm kind of like a home bug. I kind of stay to myself, and if I have the opportunity to, um, you know, have some downtime, I'll really just speak to myself and, you know, hang out at the hang out in my apartment. You know, play some games you know, read read some books or just study, but um, you know, people like Aaron Stinney and um Simeon Robinson, uh those guys are just people who are in my class. I came in here with them and uh they just they just know me better than anybody else. So um Simeon Robinson, Aaron Stinney, uh Jor- Jordan Brown, Kyrie Hawkins, uh AJ Bolden, those guys who uh know me pretty well. You know, I would spend time with them, playing some games, relax, and talking about our future. I know this past summer, I had the opportunity to get really close to Simeon Robinson, and just, uh, you know, just grow, just grow together, and grow as friends because, you know, we have the same goal. You know, we wanna, we wanna pursue and further our football careers, and you know, change our lives forever, and change our lives for the better, and become better men and better people. It's not just about football, but we talked about being better men and. Um, doing things to um, help our family in the long run. So um, he's someone that I really grew with this year. And, um, you know, I wish him the best in this process as we're going through it. But, um, you know, like I said, if I if I had a choice, and I, um, I would just really be to myself. You know, I like to really think and, you know, clear my mind of a lot of things and just always um, – but I believe – sometimes I believe uh, – my mindset is needs to be steer clear from a lot of things that go on around me. So um, I like getting a lot of advice from people who've been through things that I've been through, but um, my mom has always taught me to be a grounded person and, you know, stick to your, stick to your books, stick to your values, you know, stick to reading the Bible or growing in that way, things like that. So, um, but I also have close friends like that, that I always go to and we want to hang out and chill out. So,
1: you sound like somebody with a pretty boring life. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but the good news is that the guys who leave a really boring life—they aren't all over TMZ. Like I'm not—I'm not seeing about you know. There's no they ever shoot themselves at the club at three o'clock in the morning. So I guess there's that. Although I'm worried yeah. about reading about Andrew <laughs> involved in some scandal. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'd rather have it that way than the other way around.
1: <laughs> <sighs> so let's let's roll you forward. So you 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 found your school. You found your guys. You found two great coaching staffs. Right? Um, compare and contrast the two coaching staffs and, and philosophies. What things were the same? What things changed? when you went from, you know, a very established legendary, I guess I could use the term legendary coach, to a younger coach who's sort of establishing his new brand, what things changed?
2: Well, I feel like a lot changed just in terms of um, just a lot of the foundations. I feel like Coach Houston laid a a great foundation that was kind of, that kind of allowed people to feel comfortable just because he always preached family and how we're we're one, we're together, um, and we're family, and how everything starts in that locker room down there. And um, I really feel like he was kind of breaking the layers off a lot of people who um, maybe had trust issues in the past or was apprehensive to really trusting the process and really buying into something special or something bigger than themselves. I believe that um, as he did that, day by day um people began to really buy in buy into what we wanted to do and how people just became more selfless and how people just became more um dedicated and motivated to um be, becoming the best player that they can be for our football team so um <clears throat> you know coach Ruther's staff we had a lot of people who um you know couldn't handle the, the rough things that we had to go through who couldn't handle you know, the purge, how we had to um, eliminate and make room for people who were really bought in, in a sense. But I believe uh, different coaching styles came in and people really um, had the opportunity to trust and adapt to something. Um, So, yeah. Okay. And so the
1: other thing that people – I'm, I'm going to brag a little bit on our little state. Um, I don't, every single one of the programs in the state has a pretty strong approach to strength and conditioning. Virginia Tech, of course, is the legendary iron and super iron Hokies. I mean, still to this day, if you ask Mike Vick about the, the things he's processed uh, that he accomplished in the time of Virginia Tech, he mentions, of course, the sugar bowl. But the second thing that comes out of his mouth is that he made super iron Hokie. Uh, and his, uh, his redshirt sophomore year. So those are two proudest moments of, of Mike Vick's Virginia Tech career are the, the Sugar Bowl and making Super Iron hockey And then mm-hmm. Virginia has a very strong, space conditioning program. Richmond has a very strong, busy conditioning program. Uh, William & Mary, a couple of years ago, brought in. I can't remember the young man's name, but they – the country club atmosphere is gone from the weight room, but at that, day, at that day, uh, they started getting it harder. And, of course, David Madison has long had a good spring conditioning program, uh tradition built there as well. Tell us about your relationship with the weight room, because that's another thing that we mentioned film studies. That's another that changes through high school and college. A lot of guys, you know, go into the weight room in high school, and they, you know, try to get a good little... Little bird going, this is enough. So Some curls for the girls, hit the face a little bit, why don't it hurt stuff enough. And then phew, I'm out, you know? 45 minutes of power, baby. And then you get to the college level, and it's just, you know, I mean, we've all had that moment where you thought you might die. When you get to the college, level. <laughs> like, is this normal? Why is no one panicking? Well, how do <laughs> feel like, you know? So we've all had to, I'm seeing spots. Someone saw my mom. Um, tell me about how weight training changed for you and what it's allowed you to do and maybe some of your proud moments. Like, brag on yourself a little bit about some of your accomplishments in the weight room. Oh, man. Well,
2: I had the opportunity to have some great strength coaches. And, man, just as you are saying, the times where you felt you were going to die, you weren't going to make it. (laughs) I just remember, um, I'm just going to skip to when coach Withers and the staff came in and when coach AB came in and, uh, I talked about the purge and the purge was just basically a cleansing. It was a cleansing of the program. Anybody who wasn't buying just would have to leave. And, you know, it was just tough, rigorous workouts every, every day. And, um, being put through that was just a, a whole mental toughness type thing and just to see how mentally tough you were um we'll wake up early in the morning we'll go up uh sometimes we'll be outside in the freezing cold and then we'll have to bear crawl, and, and um you know on the oh. cold earth. and yeah it, it was it was rough and then we'll have these mat drills every day you know it was just tough and things like that nature. But, you know, as that settled and as that kind of calmed down, we would go into training, tough training. And I just remember it being very tough and just having to lean on each other, having to lean on our teammates and having to look to the older guys, you know, the older guys in our situation with the CHLs, the band and leagues of this world and people like that. But I got through it, and it definitely made me stronger. It definitely made me a more mentally tough uh, football player it made me a stronger physical football player, and uh, that helped me in the long run. And then um, Coach uh, Houston and his staff came in, and then Big John came in, and I believe that's when I became the most strongest. You know, that's when I had the ability to uh, be more powerful in the weight room. You know, we did things like power cleans from the ground. That's something I've never done before. Um, we squatted a, a lot, and we really worked the lower uh posterior chain of our body a lot so that's where i had the opportunity to become stronger and i knew that would benefit me in terms of playing in the trenches and things of that nature so um you know i really i really thank uh big john for that you know he's still there you know i know when i go back home in a couple days i'll I'll be training with him before pro day gets going so um yeah
1: yeah uh so everyone usually has a favorite and a least favorite. What's your favorite thing in the weight room? Um, some people are bitch guys, some are power clean guys, some are squat guys. What's your mm-hmm. thing? What's the thing that you, you feel like you can do? The thing that you're, you're trying to impress, you know, hey, a pretty lady's watching you in the weight room. What's the thing you're going to do that's going to blow her little mind? <laughs>
2: hey, let me think. Well, squats are fun. I would like I would like to say that power clean is my, my favorite list. There you go. The yeah, I like I like getting the weight up from the ground and seeing how fast you can bring it up. And you know, I happen to have the highest uh, power clean in uh, my weight in my position group, which is yeah. you know, So last year, so that that was that was pretty good. But yeah, yeah power clean uh, is the that, best.
1: Anybody looking lift, it makes you look like an athlete. with all that motion and yeah, that's a good good choice. What's
2: your what's your personal record in the power clean? I think it was 345 last summer. I mean, that's that's how much I did. Okay. But, yeah. You said you,
1: you're weighing about 255 now?
2: Yeah, 250. Well, 250 right now. Uh, I I played the season like 255. This past season I played at 255.
1: Okay. Yeah. And is that, now do you want to be at 250? Do you want to get a little lighter? Do you want to get a little heavier? What's your goal for pro day?
2: Well, I think 250 is a good weight for pro day. Oh, I might just go there, 250, uh, maybe 249, who knows. But I I want to go into 250 just because that's what I've been training at. I've been training at 250. So just want to stay consistent and try to get those numbers that I've been hitting uh, while I've been down here training. Okay.
1: Got it. And – everyone has goals, things you want to accomplish when you step into your, uh, you know, when you step into your pro day. What are the things you want to
2: prove, things you want to show people. Well, one thing I want to show the scouts is just how explosive I am. Um, I believe that I do have a lot of explosive ability just in terms of um, the things that the drills are going to put us through. Um, I want to show them how conditioned I am and how, um, how I can be put through um, tough situations and uh, fast paced drills. And I want to show them my muscle endurance and how I'm able to um, do a lot of things and also take instruction and then um, apply it to whatever they want me to do. Cause I know they're, you know, in terms of position work, they might have you do different things that you've never done before. So I'm going to be able to show them that I'm coachable and that I can uh, take information while I'm tired and, uh, produce. So um, just everything that an athlete is able to do on the football field and express and show, I want to be able to um, prove that I'm able to do that in um, a pressurized situation. You know, a lot of people, I know that scouts are going to be there watching, and people may feel pressured. People may feel um, like they all eyes are watching them, but that's kind of what you want in this situation. You know, I didn't have the opportunity to go to the NFL Combine to – um, be on that big stage and show um, my my talents and my athletic ability and what I can bring to an NFL team. But um, you got to look at what you have in front of you now and what's in front of me now is Pro Day, and I have the ability to show the scouts that are going to be there what I can do. So, okay,
1: um, are there things that you think you might do specifically, like you know, thirty-three and a half inch vertical, four six five? Four six eight or whatever in the forty or a, uh, you know a, a ten two broad jump like are, are there things that you have set in your mind as things you think you might be able to do?
2: Are those your numbers for me?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm I'm wondering because some guys, well, once again, I'll just tell a story from from my upbringing. I remember I had a friend who was a year no two years he was two years behind me in, um, in 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 high school and. He was a really good sprinter, and our football coach always wanted to play football, but he demurred, and he was probably the right choice. He was always a sm- he was a smaller cat. Uh, even by the time he was senior, he was about one hundred and fifty. no, he was one hundred thirty seven, one hundred thirty six pounds, about five five. But so he could fly. It was Andre and He wanted to be eventually an American record holder in the hundred meters, and the, I think the two hundred meters as well. Winnipeg PNM was a four time track All American and was an alternate on the 88 Olympic team. But uh, he put a number in his head. He, he, had, he wrote it on everything. He, wrote, he had it cut in the back of his face. He wrote it on, the, on his sneakers 10 3 1. He had it written in his, in his composition book 10 3 1. 10, 3, 1. And so, my. the American record. Um uh, we did. That's like what we want. Right? Exactly. Uh, it didn't work that way, right? I guess. But it wants to be the fast. But I think we, we focus strongly on doing two number. Now, now some people have that though. Some people say I just want to do my best, But some people believe that in order to, in order to keep something you have to measure. So are you a person that Specific, or you just like to sort of fire.
2: how do you okay. I'm sorry, I heard the last bit of your question, but as you were speaking, there's a lot of like buzz going on. Yeah, I, I know. I, uh,
1: our, we just had someone join us who I'll be cutting you in a second, but they're in kind of a noisy area, so I muted their their uh their microphone. So okay, I was saying that I've dealt with young athletes with different approaches. Some will have a specific goal, like I said, my friend Andre Casey had the number 1031 in his mind, wrote it on everything. Like I said, it had a cut in the back of his head, wrote it in all the books, had it written on the back of his shoes, everything. And, it would, and because he wanted to set the age group national record, the U.S. record, which at that time, for the 100 meters, for anyone 16 years and younger, the fastest he would run it was 1032. He put in his mind to run 1031, and then went down to the gay, rave, and and ran 1031. Now, that's some people's approach. Well, other people's approach is, I just want to do my best. Do you like to have a specific goal where you have a number in mind, or do you just like to sort of, you know, try to do your best? And what's your, what's your approach in terms of that?
2: Yeah, I actually think that's a good idea. Um, what was his name again? Andre
1: Kasem. He has a speed school now, actually. Um, he was in China for a while, training sprinters, and he's uh, – so it's Andre, just like you probably would guess, A-N-D-R-E, Last name is and he used the whole 60-meter uh, national record. He held several records in sprinting, and oh. uh, you he has a, I think it's called Andre Kasem training or something. I can't remember the next that So he's a Virginia Beach native, went to Texas A&M, and coached, uh, like I said, coached in China. Uh, he coached the Chinese national sprint team for a while, worked with MMA fighters even, believe it or not. and. He's a national sprint coach for Thailand and coached the Thailand, the Thai Olympic team as well, in case you're wondering. But, um, but yeah, he at one point um, held a national record in the 50 meters of 5.62, set a world record for the 60 meters of 6.41, and held a U.S. record in the 100 meters of
2: 9.92. Wow. Well, he does, He did a lot. Well, yeah, he was,
1: he, he, was stupid, he was stupid fast, and he was crazy dangerous as a return guy, but he stopped playing football. And like I said, it's probably the right decision, but it broke Coach Tommy Rhodes' heart.
2: Yeah. Wow. Well, with zoning back to your question, I think that's a good idea because I don't know about writing it all over your body and back of your head. And-
1: yeah, you don't, you don't go that far. You seem like a conservative dude.
2: You may not want to get a tattoo. <laughs> I mean, I just think about having those numbers in your head is a good idea because you don't, you don't want to. I feel like in terms of anything, you don't want to aim a miss. You don't want to just go blindly into anything, and that's what training is for. Uh, I think training is to just get your general idea of what you can do, get your get your numbers going, and um, what I've been hitting consistently during training, I kind of just aim a little bit above or below what I wanna hit in terms of um my times or my bench press or things like that in nature. So uh, I know that my legs are gonna be a little fresher. I'm gonna feel a little fresher leading up until pro day, um uh, after my body has gotten time to rest after training pretty hard down here. Um so <clears throat> you know, I, I'm I'm gonna have those numbers in my head and I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have those goals set of what I wanna do when that time comes.
1: Okay. And we have been joined by a couple of uh our other guests now, one of which uh is probably kind of a noisy area. So I'm gonna keep you muted uh for the moment and then I'll open your mic in a second. So I okay. believe I think one of them might be Yann, maybe and we may have also Phil. been...
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh we we should have um Kim Preston. can you there?
1: It's right. muted, maybe. Hold on. Right. Is That you can?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we can't um, hear you. Can tell kind of folks. Um. Also, Bill Yiani is calling in. Uh, Albert yeah, Habili uh, should be in right now in Qataris. Qataris. So we probably yeah, got four okay. guys right now. Qataris, you there. there?
1: Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Albert,
4: you
1: there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. It's okay, perfect. So I'm going to ask a quick question to Katiris because I've had the great pleasure of meeting this young man in the past. First of all, congratulations, Katiris. Can you hear me? Yeah. Katiris? Yeah, he's taking here, hear you, Bill. Oh, okay. So, first of all, congratulations. Going in and out. You may want to try moving around or something and dialing back in. It sounds like you might be in a bad area.
5: And
1: Yanni, you can join us as well. Hey, got hey, got he's not on yet, Bill. Okay, we got out right. Albert. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm okay. here. Okay. Yeah, so we definitely said Albert. Okay. do you also have Ken Preston? Yeah. Okay, yeah, excellent. So I will start with you for a moment, Ken. Uh, first of all, thank you so much. Let me ask you just one quick one off, off the top. How much do you know about the process you've just been undergoing? you have someone who is to you when you come You still there, Ken? Uh, it, it said I was. I'm here, it had you have a web you.? Did respond to something? I am very likely. you do something? Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, Ken, I'm going to move you. We're going through some kind of rough area today. Move around and I'll we'll get you back.
6: Um, so it sounds like, is Katyris still with me?
4: Uh, yes, sir. How are you doing?
1: Okay, there we go. So first of all, Katyrus, congratulations. And let me just say, I, I'm i very impressed. I knew you would do well. Take us through your Pro Day experience. What was it like, and what did you do to prepare
3: for it? Uh,
4: well, the Pro Day, it was like, it was everything that we expected. Uh, I was training down at Impact Sports. And uh, they got me well prepared for it, so we uh, like we did a pro day, so it was kind of, you know, they said practice perfect, so it was kind of, uh, it was kind of, it was kind of everything that we trained for. So when I got there, um, it wasn't really a shock, but you know, it was just kind of like an odd moment. Like I was just like, wow, it's, today is really, you know, something that I really dreamed of my whole life. So it was kind of a real great experience, and uh, I just wanted to, you know, just show what I could do and just stay as focused as possible. Okay. And in terms of the goals that you
1: set for yourself, how do you feel like your actual performance stacked up against your goals? Uh,
4: some of my goals, as as far as as far as uh, goals went, I believe that I met some of them, and it was a few of them that I hold myself to a higher standard for. So, like uh, my dad always told me that if you, if you if you if you if you strive to be excellent, when you have a bad day, you'll be great, and when you have a horrible day, you'll be good. So uh, it, it wasn't some in certain areas it was excellent, in certain areas it wasn't. But it was good. So uh it, it didn't necessarily meet the stand, my personal standards, but it, it was actually good. But uh however, uh, you know, hopefully if Lord will it I have another opportunity to, to fix those, to clean up those things that I that I don't think was uh, perfect.
6: Okay. Got it.
1: And just roll through it. Um would you would they come up with times for you for the forty? Uh
4: I can't I can't hear you, Mr. Bill. Oh.
1: The time. What time did they get you for for the forty?
4: Oh, uh my agent said it was five something, but he didn't give me the official time so I had to uh I had to uh I have to clock I had to check in with him to get the official times from the uh from the school. But uh that's one of the things I wasn't uh I wasn't hundred percent um uh proud of myself about because when I train I usually uh, clock in at four nine. Okay. Uh how's it
0: going,
4: you go on the vertical? On uh, the vertical, I believe it was a uh, 25, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, how did
4: you do on the broad jump? The broad jump, I jumped to
1: 103,
6: uh, 87. Okay, 87.
1: And uh, did you get a time for your three cone or your short shuttle?
4: Oh, i don't i don't know though. i don't know i don't know the uh i don't know the forty the l and the uh the three cone oh wait i know the four i don't know the forty and the l but i know the three cone was a i believe it was a four six something i don't remember the last number but i know it was a four six uh
2: five ten five i'm
4: sorry i don't yeah the five the five ten five was a four six something it, uh i don't know the l and i don't know my forty
1: okay okay and then on the bench, you did eight reps sir your bench was at twenty eight reps. No sir, twenty two. Oh, 22, Okay. Now, what was what was the goal you set for yourself for the for the bench?
4: On the bench, I just wanted to get. I just really wanted to make sure I got past. 20. I wanted to make sure that I got past twenty. Uh, I didn't have a selective goal. I just know that I needed to get past twenty. I needed to get at least twenty one or higher. So the fact that I got twenty two was, you know, going over my goal.
0: Okay.
1: Understood. And are you doing just this one, or do you have any other uh, workouts lined up? Uh,
4: yes, sir. I have others. I have others that my, uh, my that my agent is working on, but they aren't confirmed. So I don't want to just say that yeah I'll be there, and then you know something you know Lord you know something goes wrong. So but you know Lord willing, yes I have others, but I'm just waiting on I'm just waiting to get the confirmation call from my agent.
1: Okay. Well, what I'd appreciate, uh, Cyrus, is if you can pull together any of the numbers that you get. You can just email me that update or anything like that. I'll use that, and so when I build out the rest of your uh, profile for the Blue Light specials that I'll start dropping later this week. And it's okay. been a real pleasure watching you uh, throughout the last couple of seasons, develop as a person, develop as a player, and I I think great things are in the the offing
4: for you. Okay, no problem, Mister Bill. And uh, like I say, if uh, whenever my agent gives me the uh, confirmation for the other pro days, I'll let you know how those events went as well.
1: I, I I thank you, Katara. Always a pleasure. I wish you the best of luck.
4: Thank you so much. Sir. You have a blessed day. Thank you for your time. Certainly. My pleasure. All right.
1: Looks like Ken again. Ken, it still sounds like you're kind of a noisy area. Can you hear me?
5: Yeah, I can hear you. Hold on.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm hearing a little bit of sponginess behind you. Are you going to windy area or something? Not really. I can not hear oh. the Oh, God, have the Okay, and Albert, are you still there?
6: Albert? Uh,
1: Hello? Albert, can you hear me? Uh, it's kind of hard. Kind of hard to hear you. You having you having trouble hearing? You said you are having trouble hearing, Albert. You say that again? You said, are you having? You still having trouble hearing? Uh, yeah, not can hear you. Okay. Well, first of all, Albert, good to have you. Um. Take me through your early life as an athlete. What were some of the things you did before you discovered you were a football player? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you say that again? I was saying take me a little bit through your early life as an athlete. What were some of the things you did before you finally discovered that you were a football player? Uh, I only got that last part. I'm sorry. I I can't. I got a bad connection. Uh, yeah, You're coming well, out on the first one. Well, let's do this. I'm going to ask you one more question, and then if it doesn't get better, move around and and call back right back. I was saying, tell me about your your early athletic life. What were some of the things you did before you discovered you were a football player? Things I did before I was a football player? Yes, yes, right, in your early life, and then how you discovered eventually that you were a football player, yes. Uh, Honestly, I I don't think I did anything other than football. Uh, I think I started in... I think I started in third grade, and that's just something I loved. I mean, I did baseball. Uh, I did that for one year. Uh, I didn't really like it, but I stuck to football since third grade. Okay. So you're not a guy that you didn't mess around with other stuff. You didn't, not track, not basketball, not soccer,
4: none of that, huh? Oh, I mean, I did basketball in middle school. Uh, I did other sports to really pass the time, just so I'm not like uh, sitting at home doing nothing, you know? So, I mean, yeah, okay. I did do other sports like wrestling and, um, Basketball, in middle school, I did track in high school. But, yeah, okay. football was, like, my one love. I got it.
1: So, obviously, football is number one in your heart. heart. What If you had to pick a second sport, what was the one that was probably number two in your heart?
4: Ooh. You know, I'm going to have
1: to say rugby. Um, that's something my dad said. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now, I'm gonna have
4: to say
1: it's
4: rugby. good,
1: it's good. I don't get too many rugby guys on. Tell people who aren't familiar with rugby okay. what that game is like and how you got introduced to it. How did I get introduced to rugby? Yes, sir. And tell people about the oh. game because it's not a game. That's... Okay.
4: Uh. Well, <laughs> okay. I got
1: introduced to rugby just because my dad played it. Um. Honestly, he didn't really want me playing rugby because, like, you, you guys ever heard of cauliflower ears from rugby players? Yeah. I was,
4: yeah he I got was it. And he
1: didn't want. Like, yeah, is. he didn't want his kids getting it. So he 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 didn't want us playing it, but um. Like my cousins, all my cousins would play it and you know, I would just jump in with them and I'll go to like the little club teams and probably play some a few practices with them.
5: Um but yeah, I don't know, I just fell in love with that sport. Like uh football wasn't around.
1: Okay. And what position were you in rugby? Well this was a while ago and I you know, I was a lot smaller so I played wing, you know, the outside the, the, yeah, so the you speed guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, rugby is a really fascinating and, as you said, rough, it's a rough sport too. So you feel like you've always liked contact. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> okay. I can see why you might not have been drawn to tennis. Can you say that again? I, I, I was saying I can see why you might not have been drawn to tennis. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't hear that part. Oh, I was saying I can see why you might not have been drawn to tennis with what you've told me about your your approach to playing. Uh-huh. My approach to playing? Yeah, I was saying the way you play, I mean, everything you seem to really excel at involves some pretty hard physical contact.
5: Yeah. I do like playing hard physical contact, you know, contact type sports.
1: Yes. Yes, you do. When you mentioned rugby was your second love, I was like, okay, well, that confirms it. Uh, oh, yeah. So, Albert, just in case, see if you might be able to find a slightly better reception area. So try try calling back. It. Move around. Maybe maybe it's just where you're standing and see if it's better if you call in someplace else. Okay, I'll call you guys back. But... Please do. Okay.
6: Maybe not. Uh So who is? I still
1: have the answering for us. Andrew, um, Albert calling back. I think I might have seen Yanni for a second, but I think he dropped off. And
6: let's see. and we're working on getting um, working
1: on getting. Okay, so we're working on getting him. So Ken Preston, are you back? So Ken's not yeah, there. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, that's way better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much better. Oh, first of all, Ken, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I have one question that's for you fine. that I'll put my way back around to Andrew. So, Mr. Preston, take us to the beginning of the beginning. When did your athletic career begin and how did you begin as an athlete?
5: Uh, it, be- it began way back when I was four years old. That's when I first started playing football at the age of four. And then after that, I began playing baseball. So it goes all the way back, 18 years.
1: (laughs) It's a good long athletic history. Um, What were you playing at first? What sport did you play first?
5: I played football at first. I didn't play baseball until
6: I was about eight years old.
1: So you were playing football at four?
6: Yeah, at four. All right. Is there any tape? You said what?
1: Do you have any tape of you at four?
6: I believe I have a
5: couple of videos at my grandmother's house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. It's good to get that early evaluation in so people get an idea of your strengths and weaknesses. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So when you started playing at four, what position did you play at first?
5: I played running back and linebacker.
1: Okay. Okay. So So you played those two positions pretty much throughout your career until you got to college.
6: Yeah. Okay. All right. So,
1: take me through it. Uh, you said you played baseball a little bit as well, but mm-hmm. it sounds like, once again, sort of like with Albert, your first love, it sounds
5: like with football. Yeah. I played, uh, so yeah, it was basically football and baseball all the way up until my on my 11th grade year in high school, and basically my baseball coach and my football coach, they sat me down and it was like, basically, you got to pick which one you want to uh, further your career, and I chose football. Because I had so much love for the game, I had love for baseball too. But football, like I said, I've been playing it since I was four, and that's really all I devoted my time to.
1: Now that's interesting. What made them decide to sit you down? Because I mean, obviously, we've seen from John Elway to Russell Wilson to well, Heck Matt Stafford, right? Who was a terrific baseball yeah. player. On his, I mean, he had offers to play to play. To play baseball in college. Now, he probably made the right decision. But uh, mm-hmm. what was it that made them decide to have that talk with you and say,
5: okay, you got to choose? Uh, I, I believe it was just them trying to get the most out of whatever sport I decided to do at the end. They knew I could play both sports pretty well, but they also knew that they wanted to see, they wanted me to put the most impact into e- either sport. So I believe they both came to an agreement that they would sit me down and ask me which route that I want to take. but so that's all I think it really came down to. They wanted what, what was best for me in one of the sports. Okay. Because baseball is it's, it's very time-consuming playing summer ball and all throughout the season. And right. Sometimes it would, sometimes it would counter football in the workouts we had with football. So they basically just wanted me to, to put my all into one sport.
1: Got it. And what position did you play when you were playing uh, baseball?
6: I played first base and pitcher. Okay. And were you yeah. on a travel team? Could you repeat that? Were you on a travel team?
5: Uh, Yeah, I was on a tra- travel team, and then I got off of it in high school. I was on the travel team in middle school and part of my fourth and fifth grade year in elementary. Okay. Got it.
6: Got it. Okay. Andrew, you're still with me, correct? Yeah, Andrew. I'm still here. Excellent.
1: Okay. Thank you. For your we dealt with a few things. So I want you to talk to me about the transition between, you know, you're a young player. You come in, you you find your home. You fight your way onto the depth chart. You work your way up the depth chart. You learn a couple different positions. Now talk about the transition being being, you know, an underclassman and then becoming an upperclassman. And now you just have your senior year. So coming into your senior year. The year, obviously your last year playing college ball, a year where you become more of a leader, even though you're not a rah-rah guy, but you clearly became a team leader in your own quiet, rather dull kind of way. But tell tell me about it, Andrew. What was it like stepping into a leadership role after having been more of a follower earlier in your career?
2: Well, being a leader on my team is a role that I really um, embraced and I really appreciated that my teammates and also my coaches um, look to me as a leader on our team. And um, being a leader, uh, a lot of people think it it has to be a whole bunch of, you know, rah, rah, or, you know, have to give a long speech, this and that, the third. But um, I always like to lead by example and just how I carried myself as a, as a teammate and as an athlete, and even as a person off the field. Um, You know, when it comes down to, uh, being coached, uh, being in the in the film room. Um, I just want to set the best example that I can for um, the young guys, even the players that are around me, just on how I take coaching. You know, Coach, I believe that um, I was coached harder than um, anybody in that room. I was coached hard by every one of my coaches and, you know, just being able to show younger guys, how you take coaching, how you respond, and how you bounce back, especially after not having a great practice or, you know, messing up and having to get better. Um, Showing them that I took coaching and came better uh, the next day, I believe, was something that those young guys are going to take with them going on in the future. So um, it was a really uh, honoring experience and uh, something I'll, I'll never forget.
1: Got it. Okay. And I'll ask you one more question before we start moving back through the through the room again. So, let me ask you this: You mentioned film study, and that's one of the things that like I said, really changes as you age as a player. When did you first, or growing up as a player, when did you first start studying film? And then, when did the when did it click for you? When you started actually being able to make plays because of things you spotted on tape?
2: Well, film was uh, something that I got on right away, especially when I got into uh, playing situations film was something that I, I saw is very important. Um when you talk about special teams to just getting defensive snaps, um, film was something that I, I saw that was important because, you know, I believe it was a game I went into a situation uh, on special teams where I was um, you know, making plays on special teams and, you know, I was being effective on especially on the kickoff team and then um but I don't feel like I was studying enough film on my opponent, uh, on their kickoff return team, seeing how they blocked. And, uh, I remember one play, I was just doing what I did, you know, run down the field, make, make big plays, you know, cause fumbles. Um, but, um, they had a guy who was, you know, sneaking, you know, lurking, you know, I got to call him the assassin or something. And, I there goes me running down the field, going to make a tackle. Boom. I get, I get knocked out cold and, you know, after that, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta keep watching film because, you know, teams study and prepare for you like that, and uh, that's something I took into all the way my senior year. Um, but my sophomore year, um, you know, when I had my uh, my breakout season, my sophomore year, that's when I really began to study film very hard, and um, so it helped me on the field field sorry.
1: Okay, so I want you to think of a specific play that you can point to that you made specifically because of something you saw, something you spotted, something that you had seen, a tendency or a formation or a motion or something that you spotted and you were able to get in a position to make a play, uh, perhaps even a big play, maybe a game-changing play that you spotted.
2: Yeah. Oh, you want me to just tell you about that play? pick
1: one, yes. Uh, well, yeah. think about well
2: uh, I'm you gonna tell play you play. about the. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just tell me about like, one of those plays that you made based on film study. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, a play that, um, and I really like to stop is is the read sweep. It's kind of like the zone read, but it's um, it's with the it's with the running back on the opposite side of the quarterback. So. Um, he's kind of he's taking out the zone read type of motion, but the running back's coming from the opposite side, and the quarterback is shuffling um, towards you. So uh, our job is to take the quarterback on the on the read sweep and uh, just eliminate the play as fast as we can. Um, I believe that I stopped that play about three or four out of four out of the six times that I played. Uh, At JMU, and uh, I can just I can through film study and through practicing, through messing it up at practice about three times during the week. You know, every time the game comes around, I'm ready for the the read sweep, and um, it's pretty rewarding. I I like it more than the sack because it's like, man, I I can see this play coming, and then like right when it happens, I just go ahead and go take the play away. So um, I, I really thank my coaches for teaching me that and. Helping me to make that play.
1: Excellent. I'm going to try a quick little roll call again. So, Ken, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. Ken?
6: Yes, okay. Albert. Albert? Yeah, I'm here. Woohoo!
1: And you sound great. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Wow, exciting stuff. So, I'm coming back to you for a moment, Ken. You were a two-sport athlete. You said you eventually had to make the major, major choice of, of football. So, who are some of the best guys you faced? Could be baseball, could be football. or both. But you clearly came from a, a talent-rich part of the country. There's a lot of good football players and a lot of good baseball players from where you grew up.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you referring to as high school?
1: You tell me. Little school. I mean, you started at four. You you played a lot. You played a lot. You tell me. I don't care if it's you know if it if it's Pony Colt Bronco League. Any player you played, P <laughs> Wee. Who were some of the best dudes you played?
5: Uh the, I mean there was plenty of dudes uh, that I played with and I played against. Uh, one dude in particular that I could say is Arden Key, the defensive end from LSU. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's all right.
5: Yeah, I grew up with him. Actually, we played middle school ball together. And, he eventually went to a different high school, but yeah, I can say Arden Key, Kendall Baker, the left guard from Georgia. Uh, it's it's honestly too many people to name that that I've played against, and I'll. Uh, in baseball, I know uh, what's the guy's name. I think it's like Clint Fraser. He played at Loganville High School. He's in the uh, major leagues right now. He's a he was a very good baseball player that we played against. Uh, like I said, there's it's so many people I can name that that I grew up with from Metro Atlanta and that I played against or I played with that, that's doing great things.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you started off with a bang. Um, yeah. For, for, a lot of people are familiar with Arden. For those who don't understand what kind of freak individual Arden he is, is, when was the moment that it hit you that he wasn't like the other guy? Uh, it was It was
5: probably my, my eighth eighth grade year and this seventh grade year when we were on the team, and not too many seventh graders actually started at my middle school and played, and he came right in that
6: summer, and he, he had a starting position right on the team, and since then, I just knew he was going to be special. Yeah, Got
1: it. And who was your big rival? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of really good programs, but who were the team or maybe pick a couple, the teams, if there's more than one, that gave you the most joy in being, like the ones that you would walk around with your chest just a little bit bigger out, puffed out, when you beat the team.
5: Uh, I would probably have to say Newton County High School, and probably uh, Heritage Heritage High School. That's a, a team that's in my county, and then Newton County. That's like that's the rival rival county that's right beside ours that we play every year.
1: Is, is that the game where you have like an actual hate week? You know, where there's like bunch of rallies and. You know, people paint their faces and all yeah, that stuff.
5: A, yeah, that was Newton and Heritage every year.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. same, question, same question for you, Albert. Who are the teams we have like a team, like a whole up where everybody's talked about? you got to beat so and so. Who are the teams that you had on your hit list? Oh, Montana, University of Montana, easy. I said no. That's, not, that's not probably like the one team that. Hey, am I am I answering the right question? Is that what you asking? Well, that, that worked, too. Um, was, did you have a high school rival that you most enjoyed beating, too, or just college? Oh, oh, oh I was talking about college, but high school. Um, I mean, there was a whole bunch of rival schools. Um, There's a school, uh, Decatur, Todd Beamer. They're like our rival schools of sports, and uh, yeah, we just had to beat them. Got it. Okay, cool. I'll stick with you for the moment, Albert. So okay. you were a guy that, like I said, rugby and football. So um, Now, there is professional rugby, though it's not in the U.S. Did you ever consider pursuing rugby long-term, or, or was rugby always just going to be kind of a sideshow for you? Uh, no, I don't think I would ever go uh, with rugby because, honestly, um, there, there are schools that, you know, play rugby, but I think it's
3: mostly club. Um, mostly like club, a,
1: Unless you want yeah. to go to school outside the United States. Now, you want to go to Ireland or South Africa or Australia, it's a big deal there.
7: Oh, yeah, it's a huge deal there. In those
1: places, yeah. Out of country, like rugby's a huge deal. Yeah. I, I've even but, known, I, I, one of my old friends actually was a pro-South African rugby player until he suffered a really bad head injury, and then I, I we were both uh, in graduate school together, and he was showing me, like, you know, I used to, no offense to anybody, but I looked at Adrian, he told me he was a big side rugby player, and Adrian was he enjoyed beer. I'll just leave it at that. So his body has changed since he's been playing. <laughs> he has to played professionally. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, sure, Adrian, blah blah blah. You know, war story. And then he showed me some pictures and it was like the national team of South Africa, and then professionally, he's like, Oh, oh, okay. Well, let me shut up. But uh, but yeah, you you have to leave the United States if you want to be a pro rugby. Yeah, that's true. But well, I mean, here, um, you know, I, was a, I don't know. I always love, I always love football, like American football here. And yeah, I like you, like I like rugby as more of a, a like a side hobby, something to do while, while football has gone, just, just to have fun and still stay physical at the same time. Got it. Are there any things that you could take from rugby that have helped you as a football player? Uh, definitely tackling. Um, I think there's a okay. a lot. Polynesians or not even just Polynesians that played rugby. Um in the NFL that uh you know, they're actually like good players, like although Pelosi was one, he played rugby and I mean yeah, it was a... Shalom, Shalom was a great rugby player too? Yeah, there was a there's a whole bunch of players in the NFL now that played rugby and they're on the defense side well, but it helps with offense with the physicalness and I don't know, like it just helps with tackling, like form tackling in, in particular. Right. But you, you have to form tackle. There's no face mask. You have to stick your face into somebody. And, or you won't do it too many times, I guess. You might do it once, but once you break your nose a couple times, you'll learn, oh, i got to get my head out of the way. Yeah, it's not just that. You also get a penalty. You're penalized for that. You can't go high. Right. Right. Yeah, so it, you probably know this. The Seahawks actually brought in a rugby guy to teach them rugby tackling. Did you know that? Yes, uh, yeah, I did hear about that. Yes, I did. Yeah, so you know, there are some things that are commonality. So thank you, thank you for bringing that to because I don't think I've had a rugby guy on before, or at least not one that told me he was a rugby guy. I've had a few lacrosse guys. I've had one or two hockey dudes. Um, I've had a couple guys that played martial arts. A um, bunch of baseball, a bunch of basketball, a bunch of football, a bunch of track, and one great bowler. We had a quarterback, Louis Perez, who had something like 18 perfect 300 games in his uh, bowling career, and at one time thought he might be a pro bowler. So, I think think you might be our first. So, take. I think you've broken a barrier here on the show. First serious rugby guy. I'm going to swing it back to to Mr. Hunt. So, Andrew, you're at a school where you've got hardware. You guys have won championships that changes everything because now your expectations are different. You're not satisfied with winning eight game. You're not satisfied with making the playoffs. Now if we got to do this again. How does a team prepare to try to repeat as a champion? What do you guys have to do? What things change now that you've actually won it before?
2: Well, I don't feel like a lot really changed. Um, a lot of people had doubts. A lot of people had questions on whether um, if we're going to be – just as good as we were last year or if we were going to be worse. But um, I had a, <clears throat> I had an answer, and I just said I thought we were going to be better. Uh, we had a lot of veteran guys coming back. We had a lot of – our senior class was really big, and we had a lot of returning players and even young guys with playing experience who were going to come back. So um, I just didn't – I didn't have a doubt in my mind that we would be a better football team. And um, just the mindset around us, we just all – um, we were excited about the opportunity to play with each other again and just um, even improve on, you know, what we had last year. So it was a great experience. It was a great ride starting from uh, winter workouts all the way till summer camp. We were just grinding with our heads down and just um, excited about the opportunity that we had to go back to Frisco, Texas and contend um, for another title.
1: Okay. And I believe Yanni has joined us as well. Is that you, Yanni? Yes, how are you?
6: Hello? Hello? Oh. I can hear you, Yanni. I don't know do. I can't hear you. Hello? But Yanni, can you hear me?
3: Yeah. Am I pronouncing your name right? Is it Yanni? Yanni, yeah. Okay. Hey, I don't know why Bill can't hear you, so let me give him a second, but I can hear you.
6: Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> Hey,
3: sorry guys. Um uh, let me just check it So uh, who's also on the call? Uh, Albert, you there? Yeah. Okay. Ken, you still there?
2: Yeah, I'm still there.
3: Right. Andrew, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I think Bill we might have lost Bill, so um I'll just take over for for the meantime. So uh Yanni, thanks for joining us, man. Um I know we've been uh going back and forth for a few weeks now, but I appreciate you uh, taking the time out no, thank- as I I mentioned you as i mentioned to you no worries, no man I uh, appreciate it, no problem, man, just as I mentioned to you and the other guys uh on c d s pro prospects uh radio show we uh the host's style is kind of like you know having a bunch of guys on and uh i mean he enjoys it navigating to uh through from player to player, so I, again i appreciate- appreciate you guys for being patient. I know it's probably not uh a typical interview for you guys, but uh i mean we always have fun and i and I have fun as well. Yanni, um, since you just joined on, um, and you, you said you had to go throw earlier today, right?
7: Yeah, I was throwing earlier today.
3: Okay, so just give me a breakdown of what
7: – is that something you do every day or what, 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 what were you doing today? Uh, I usually throw like four times a week. Today was kind of like 10-yard outs and and post corners. Okay.
3: So guys that you're familiar with or um... –
7: uh, yes, yeah, some uh, some of the older guys from uh, Post, my team. Okay.
3: Uh, so, um, final season at LIU. Um, tell me, um, what was your overall
7: feeling about your college career, and in particular this season? Uh, I think this was my best season, honestly, overall, because I, I was at uh, Saint Anselm for four years, uh-huh. uh, and I. I got hurt my junior year, so I got the redshirt year, and ended up uh, doing my fifth year post. And it's right by my house, so it was cool to see it, have everyone come to the games. And it was uh, I did pretty well. We we went eight and two, but we didn't make the playoffs, which kind of kind of sucked. But it was a good year overall. Okay, cool.
3: Um, any goals that you did not achieve, on uh, what have you been doing to? Uh approve as a player
7: going forward? Uh well I want to win a championship but that didn't happen. Uh but now I kinda of just want to keep playing anywhere I can and uh just keep working to, to do that, achieve that goal.
3: Awesome.
7: Okay. So um
3: tell me the process uh how you ended up at uh, L I U um recruiting process, uh, how how many offers did you get or didn't get and
7: uh what made you end up at L.I.U. Uh, well, after my senior year, since uh, St. Anselm didn't have any grad school, I kind of reached out to a bunch of schools, sent my film out, saying I have one year left. But uh, I didn't graduate till the spring, so it was kind of tough, kind of turned some people off. And I knew the one of the coaches, uh, the quarterback coach, from uh, this high school camp I had done, and I reached out to him, and we kind of linked up and ended up going there. I was there all summer, like, throwing with the guys, meeting, uh, learning a new offense, so it kind of worked out pretty well. I was only 15 minutes from my house, too, so it was kind of a perfect fit. So what, are, what offers did you get? Uh, at a high school, uh was yes. just a couple, couple D2 schools offered me, like uh, Stonehill, St. Anselm. A couple of 1AAs said I could walk on, but no money. Um, okay. And then at a, I, went, I went to prep school for a year. And then at a prep school, it was kind of the same situation. It was kind of just a couple more 1AA teams said I could walk mm-hmm. on, and then it was mo- mostly D2 teams. Um, so I ended up going to St. A's. They gave me a good package, and I thought I had the chance to play as soon as I could there. And I uh, ended up playing there for four years I started the last four games of my freshman year, and then pretty much every, every game after that. And then uh, I got to post this year and uh, started those 10 games. Cool. cool. So
3: I'm assuming that you would totally enjoyed your your time at LIU. Can that be correct?
7: Yeah, for sure. I think it was a, a perfect decision for me, and I definitely enjoyed my time there for sure.
3: Um playing quarterback uh is one of the well i would say is the hardest position in pros in all pro sports and so i know it's a maturation process uh i guess every year for a quarterback so when you came into l i u to now what what did you what changed what did you get better at
7: uh honestly uh definitely identifying coverages and who I, using my eyes more efficiently, like who I had to hold on certain plays, certain reads, uh so like on a, one of our plays there's a lot of a lot of read routes. So there's a lot of decision making in your head, like throughout the play, like throughout your drop. So it's kinda who you have to hold, who you're reading, uh what makes one guy run this route, one what makes the other guy run this route. So it's kinda this offense made me think a lot more. Uh the last offense is more like a basic spread, like triple option kind of spread. So it's kinda not simple but it was kind of get the ball out of your hand and at post it was more more uh, tougher read so it made me think a lot more, look at defenders a lot more, hold guys a lot more, so it was definitely beneficial for me. Okay, now
3: how much of that growth was due to you and how much of it was due to um
7: coaches and coaching staff? Uh the quarterback coach is great, uh this guy coach Gill. Uh he helped me understand a lot more than I had in the previous years. To, uh, this year, it kind of opened my eyes to, I guess, what real football was. Kind of, um, mm. just how how, how uh, reading the defense is so much more important than than making the right throw. If you you can make any throw, but if you can't read the defense, it's it's pointless. So he kind of helped me a lot. We watched a lot of film this year, and he was kind of there every day, just whenever I needed him, he was kind of just there to watch film with me. Yeah. And what
3: what type of offense did you guys primarily run L I U. Uh
7: it was it was spread too, but it was a lot less like RPO stuff and a lot less like triple option kind of stuff. It was more more drop back passing and there's there's zone reads and stuff but not as much triple option type stuff or RPOs. Oh well, cool. Good
3: so let me uh get back to Andrew for a second. Andrew.
5: Okay.
3: Hey man uh, I know you've been on it for a while so we uh to wrap up. I'm sure Bill probably had a few more questions, but uh, I don't know what what's going on with uh his, <laughs> his connection right now. So um um you just had a pro day, if I'm if not mistaken, or you're you'll be having a pro day soon.
2: Yeah, our pro day is going to be on March 16th. So it's coming up. Okay, out. March. Okay, hey, it's
3: going to be at JMU campus. Yes. Okay. What uh what are you working on specifically? I know we talked about a lot of your um uh, you know, your technique earlier and how you um, try to set up offensive alignment on, on set certain plays throughout the game. So what are you working on uh, to, to to try to, uh, I guess, display for the scouts at your pro day?
2: Well, like I said before, I just want to explain, ex- express my uh, abilities as an athlete, um, show my explosiveness, um, show my athleticism, Uh, I also want to show them how coachable I can be throughout the drills that they may put me through uh, because I've been talking to some older guys and some guys who've been through the process on what happens and, you know, they say scouts put you through different things. So uh, I want to show them how coachable I can be, how I can take information while I'm tired and uh, digest it and then perform it um, however they want me to do it. So, um, like I said, didn't have the opportunity to go to the NFL Combine, but um, Pro Day is an opportunity for me to... Um, show everybody what I have. Good. I mean, I know
3: you. I know you'll be ready, man. And, uh, and it's good to hear that you're getting prepared for. I know a pro day is just like you said for guys who didn't get a chance to play at um, or get an invite, rather, to the combine to show the scouts. Uh, you know what they have. Um, did did you did you get any invitation to uh, any All Star game? Sorry if I if you asked that question earlier. I was.
2: No, you guys didn't ask me that. No, I didn't get any invites to any All-Star Games either. Um, Actually, none of the players from JMU got any invites to any All-Star Games. So uh, it was a bit of a surprise for everybody, the whole JMU community. Uh, It would have been nice for somebody, either one of us, to represent our school in one of those All-Star Games or even NFL Combine. But I hope that changes in the future because uh, we have a lot of talented guys that go through that program. Yeah, certainly,
3: man. And um, some words I'll leave with you. And this probably is uh, this probably goes to every guy on the call. Um, I mean, it's you were the FCS Defensive Player of the Year, so that is certainly a, a certain eye opening that you did not get one All Star game invite out of the four All Star games. So I uh, mean, just use it as fuel to the fire. Uh, I'm sure you got great representation now. Uh, so uh, you know. Lead you as far as the uh, teams that are interested and whatnot, um, and just keep grinding, man. Keep working hard, and so um, all you need is one one team to fall in love with you. That's it, man. So uh, I'm sure everyone's dream here is to play the next level, and um, going to be ups and downs. Um, just stay true to yourself. Keep keep grinding, yeah. and, 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 and including myself. Anyone in any profession always has things to work on, so. Um, yeah, man, just keep improving on them things you know that you can improve upon, and control the, the control the, the I'm sorry, control the controllables. You know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term, but yeah, man, uh, your tape um, Tom Bond is great. Um, Pro days are great, um, but uh, me and Bill, who you know have, I guess, our cores and scouting and breaking down film and and uh, you know and, and looking at a guy from from game to game, from play to play, from week to week, from season to season. That's your body of work. Um, everything else is is an addition, you know, how fast you can run, how quick you can turn, how high you can jump, how long you can jump. Um, so um, your tape, if you guys feel oh, comfortable, confident, if you put good tape out there, then you shouldn't have any worry. Someone won't know the fight. But um, coming from lower-level schools, is it um, you know, a little challenge? But, again, it's not impossible. NFL is uh, one thing I love about the NFL. is it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's Every year it's a story of someone overcoming some odds, man. So, um that said, uh, Andrew, man, again, man, it's been a pleasure. I was trying to see a video with uh be able to get back on. Well, I don't think he's on. If so he probably would have said something now. So um wish you best luck on your pro day. I will certainly um, be uh, keeping up on you, just like uh, you heard the gentleman who called Earlier, uh, he gave us an update, so um, I will hope you will be available to follow up on your pro day um, after the 16th, which I believe that's next Friday, right? Or this Friday coming up?
2: Yeah, it's this Friday coming up.
3: Okay, cool. Um, what you'll receive from me, uh, and that's to everyone who has an email address, I'll um, send you some follow up questions. Um, just fill them out as soon as you can, and if you can provide a picture as well, what we're doing, uh, this, um, we'll doing a profile from for everyone on the call that's uh, uh C D S pro Prospects and in conjunction with um uh spotlight uh radio oh nothing bolts, I'm sorry. Nothing bolts broadcast. So we're creating a profile for you guys. So um you should be expecting that later on today, Andrew, if I do have your um email address. Uh my last question for you are you done with school and uh
2: Am I done with school?
7: Yeah. Have you graduated or
2: you still got classes left? Yeah. I graduated last spring, so um, this oh, past week was, like, my redshirt uh, senior year where I took I took some grad courses just to stay eligible and, uh, yeah, so.
3: Oh, so you tried to, like, Matt Liner. I don't know if you're familiar with Matt Liner at USC. He didn't want to leave USC. He was in love with college life, man, so he just <laughs> basically he was just hanging around for <laughs> doesn man that must 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 be nice man must be
2: must nice. be nice, some people can't <laughs> some people can't let it go,
3: nah, no, no, man, but um, hey, man, I know you're a man of faith, man, so um you know you are you I don't even have to tell you, man, just keep keep you know keep your faith and what you believe in, man, and uh, you know everything will work out for you good, so man, again, it's been a pleasure, um, and uh, you should hear from me later on today, I have follow up email I
1: have five brand. Is that Bill Carroll?
3: Yes. Oh, wow. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. Gentlemen. <laughs> we, <laughs> the host of the show has returned. Made a comeback. Yeah, I
1: have a technical difficulty of my own. My uh, question to, to Andrew is, when they bring him back to campus after he's established himself in the school, and they want to show what the bulldogs brought to this year what's the the game
2: you think best exemplifies your playing football okay. yeah you were you were breaking out a little bit, but your question was what was uh, my best game in my uh college career was that your question
1: one that you think the kind of player you were, correct.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well, man. Wow. I want to go back to my sophomore year, uh, my, red sh- my redshirt sophomore year, where we played against SMU. We went down to SMU and we played SMU, and uh, we happened to beat SMU. But it was a it was a tight game all the way till the end, and uh, that's one of my best games that I've ever played. And um, it was great. You know, I had um, I had they said I had four sacks, but it was three and a half sacks. And I had. Uh, two force fumbles, and um, it was a great game. But that that game just really epit- epitomized like what I can do when I'm when I'm playing my best game. Uh, I believe um, I gave my best effort that game. You know, we were really motivated to just go and beat an FBS opponent. Um, you know that those people that played on that field were the same guys um, that played these past two years. With, under Coach Houston's staff, so <clears throat> that's why we talk about how we, uh, the playing experiences with a lot of guys that we have on the team uh, really helped us moving forward. But that game was just great, and uh, I, I say that fit by me just because uh, my effort plays, I, I believe I had a lot of effort plays. Um, we played a, a dual quarterback who can hurt you um, with his feet, and um, you know, there are times where I had to chase him down from behind, and 40-30, uh, Yards down the field, I'm running down trying to catch him. So, um, it's, it's one of my favorite games that I played at JMU, and I'll always remember that
6: game. Excellent, excellent,
1: great work. Well, once again, please do let us uh, know that this thing is be offered
6: for you. And when is your uh, pro day again?
2: Our pro day is March 16th. March.
6: Yes. So we'll look to getting it. update uh, when you get official weight measures and height, official um, numbers
1: for me and your bench and your phone and your thing. i update the profile and creating on you. It's always a great pleasure and a great privilege. Thank you again.
2: Well, thank you so much, Bill. Thanks, Bill and Kofi. Thank you for the advice and thank you for the opportunity.
6: Thank you so much, especially for
1: being uh, so patient.
2: Oh, man, it's fine. Patience is a virtue, right?
1: Zach, <laughs> you right. All righty.
6: Bye-bye. The outside linebacker
1: from James Madison. Had a great had a great program. We have a few more. He's had a great Yanni, I apologize. Uh, I malfunctioned the phone while I was asking you a question, so I'll come back to you for the moment. Uh, first of all, Yanni, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Certainly. So tell me about your early life. What sport did you play eventually, or when did you finally pick up?
7: Well, uh, my whole life I kind of played uh, football and basketball. And when I got to high school, uh, I kind of decided with my dad to just kind of focus more all on football. So I kind of played some church league basketball, but in high school it was mostly just all football.
1: When you did play basketball, what kind of player were you? Playman? Gunner? Guy like to to a re What, what
7: was your game? Uh, I was kind of a shooter. I was a pretty good shooter. I was always shooting in the backyard of my dad, so I got pretty good at that.
6: Okay. And at what point in your life did you, did you start to figure out what we playing with these How did you make that decision? I'm sorry, you broke up. I was saying at what point make your decision regarding what sports you were going to continue to play.
7: When did I make that decision?
1: Uh when and how
7: make that decision. Uh I just kinda I kinda love football. That's that was kind of my first love. I've been playing since I was five and I just kinda got better as I got older and I just wanted to keep getting better. And uh I just had a lot of fun playing the game so I wanted to keep
6: playing it. and start playing yanni we
1: always you play other positions
7: uh i probably started playing quarterback in high school actually so all through that all like through pop Warner and and middle school i kind of played d line safety linebacker o line so kind of jumped around and then when i got to high school and middle school i kind of kind of focused
6: on the quarterback and more
1: I like that in you. See, I saw some toughness in you. That I start to see that now. So you have played safeties. You played some some offensive line. Love it. Uh, so, what eventually drew you to?
7: So uh, my freshman year uh, during uh, like hell week kind of tryouts, they said, "Who wants to play quarterback?" I was the only kid that raised their hand in the room, and I kind of just took off from there. I was a quarterback all through high school, and just kind of kept honing my skills and knew I wanted to play in college as well.
6: Okay. Got it. I'm going to swing it. Ken, tell me about your work process, Ken. When did you first start to hear from school and how did you make your decision? Uh, is this towards me still? Uh, actually, I was trying to bring Ken can. Oh, yeah. yeah, I can hear you now. What was the question again? Uh, well, I was saying
1: about the process. We first start here for make your decision
6: about when you wanted to graduate. Of course, your, your excellent
7: athletic
5: career. You said when did I? Was, was the question based on when did I start here in like schools as far as recruiting? When
1: did you start? Right, your process begin
6: and how did how did you position and to continue your uh, education and your the
5: end Oh, the the recruiting process for me, it started around I would say my sophomore year. School started coming in to our spring practices and checking me and a couple more players out. And then from my 11th grade year on, um, that's when the, the offer started to come in. And it it basically just came down to what school was going to be a best fit for me
6: academically. And athletically, and what schools were showing the most interest. Did you take any of uh, Could you say it
1: again? I couldn't hear you. Oh, I was saying, did you take any of the. And if so, where- oh, yeah, I, took, I took visits to.
5: I went to Southern, where I ended up going. I went to Charleston Southern. Uh, what other schools did I attend? I took a visit to Georgia State
6: and I took a visit I took another visit to Texas southern. Okay. And so what were the things that stood out the schools that you how you decide? How did you start What were the things you looked at?
1: Uh, the thing that stood out to me the most about it, every school
4: I um,
5: too was basically them telling me that I could come in and, and I can com- contribute to the team right away, whether it be special teams or whether it be honest or whether it be playing right uh right away. So that's the thing. I, that's the opportunity. Then from there on, it, I just wanted to see what school I uh, would build the best relationship with me as far as the coach who was recruiting
6: me and my position
5: coach. So that's kind of where it went off after the are right, they telling me that.
6: There is a possibility that I can come in and contribute to the team where they listen. Okay. And Albert, same question. When did your recruitment, how did you make your
0: Um,
1: I started getting recruited at like my senior year. Um, Eastern Washington is where I went to school, and that was actually my first uh, But I the guy, the guy schools came um, and offered me as well. And, uh, I mean, I was able to make my decision through my visit, um, just going there. I visited Montana, Montana State, and Eastern Washington, of course. And, you know, my biggest decision was, like, um, just the feel in the locker room, um, just being around the guys a lot, and just knowing that, you know, if I do come to the school, will I fit into the program? Will I fit in with the players? Uh, am I comfortable here? Uh, you know, that was the that was the big deciding point there. And uh, yes, I did. I, I made. I, I think I made the right decision. Um, I did. I mean, you know, it was basically my family away from home. Uh, so yeah.
6: Hello. Hey, Bill, you
3: still there? Uh, I guess he's having some problems. i uh, pick up Albert. Albert, um, you had a pro day yesterday, right? Yes, I did. How did you feel about um, you know, what you what you showed to the scouts? Uh,
1: well, I set some goals. Um. You know, with the bench, broad, and bird, um, everything we did inside our weight room, uh, I think I met my goals. Um, like the vert, I got 29, but I wish uh, if I had one more jump, I'm pretty sure I can hit that 30, um, or at least anything past 30. Uh, with the bench, um, I hit 29 reps, uh, struggled on 30. Um, broad was a 9-3, I believe. Uh, yeah. And outside drills with um, the L cone, uh, the the L drill, the uh, the shuttle, and the forty. You know, um, I kind of held myself to a higher standard there. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to blame the conditions or or anything, but uh, the times. You know, I think they're decently well, but it, they're definitely uh, uh, especially during training. Uh, it was. I felt I could do better um, with those three drills.
3: Okay, good. Cool. Well again, man, that's uh you have you uh, gotten any um any uh inquiries about interviews. Um, not yet. Not at the
1: moment. Um that's uh yeah, so that goes through my agent. he'll let me know about any of
3: that. Okay. Speaking of your agent, man, I, I, I told I told Aaron I'll take care of you, man, so make sure you uh send the message back. <laughs> I got probably cool.
1: him I'm sorry, I can't hear you
3: say that again, Albert. You probably listened already or you go listen in. <laughs> That's cool. No man, he was a good school and he responded to me pretty quickly. So I really um I'm really grateful. I actually tried to uh I was telling him yesterday that I tried to uh reach out to you through um the yeah, the football director, um, Mark I think Robinson oh. or something. And he Mark, told me to yeah. reach out to you. Yeah, he told me he reached out to you but I guess uh you know, I know you guys once um, school was done and you guys were focused on the all star games and the pro day and the combine and who was in but I know it's kinda crazy, um and um I'm sure guys before has anyone from your school before you uh given you like um uh, that's currently in the league or or try to make into the league, has they given you an idea or uh prepared you for what to expect? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, he's a,
1: one of my best friends last year, uh, Samson. Samson Ibukam, who I talked to on a daily, really. Um, okay. So well, I would talk to him. When, after his senior year was done, I would kind of ask him like, uh, how the process went. And, you know, he would just tell me, like, even if, like, he, I mean, he did get invited to, uh, like, all-star games and things like that, but uh, really it's, you know, it's just up to you. It's it's what's on film, um, and uh, really, it just takes hard work, and, and then you you know you can make it. Yeah, I mean
3: that's that's so true. And uh, I guess the thing that guys can't you know won't won't uh, won't really know or really be able to measure until they experience it, which all of you guys are experiencing now is. How you really don't get a break, <laughs> you know. You're 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 finishing your final college football season, and then uh, depending on when you graduated or not, you're still working out. Uh, you're going to a, a a training facility, and you if you, whoever and just some guys are lucky enough to get selected to the combine. And you're, you know, working out the combine, then you're getting right after the combine, you're getting ready for your pro day, and then right after the pro day. Um, you know, three weeks later, it's the draft and all that hoopla that comes with that, and you know, then in May, it's minicam, now, guys who haven't graduated, you know, still taking classes so they can graduate in May, and and then, uh, you know, I think that's the first, like, minicam after the draft, and you might have another one, and then trainer camp opens up in July, and then, you know, so it's, it's, and then between that time, May and July, it's contract negotiation and everything, man, so it's that's a long time before a, a, a guy can actually get a you know breath of fresh air, get a breath. So number one, I just want to say I, I respect all you guys. I com- I commend all you guys and uh, just just um you know just pace yourself, man, and try not to get overwhelmed in the process because it's, it's 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 a lot, man. I, it, it's a lot in my opinion for anyone to go through. So um, back to football, Albert. What um, what positions you played along the defensive line? Uh,
1: so, coming into my college career at Eastern, I actually came in as a backer, Played that position for years. And then, my third
3: spring ball. I could, I'm sorry, Albert, you're picking up. You said coming into school, you came in as what? As a linebacker. Okay, linebacker. Got it.
1: So I came in as a linebacker, and then, uh, mm-hmm. my third year.
6: hmm And then, you
1: know, I kind of, I got bigger in size. And then I, you know they moved me down to D line for uh, sort of my last two years. Okay. Well, I always
3: like to ask a player when. Um, number one, we all know that whatever position you played in, the uh, pop Warner, middle school, the high school, uh, necessarily won't be playing in college and probably the pros. So, when you transitioned from linebacker to how was the transition for you? And uh, would would you did you welcome the transition? Uh,
1: it was hard. Um, I mean, obviously, linebacker is more. Uh, it's not mental game, but you're also working with a lot more space, uh, especially from the old linemen. Uh, You got a lot of space to work with, and you get the basically. And uh, when I made the transition to D line, everything was like it was quick you know, right off the ball. Like he's coming at the score. You know, you if he's. If it's a run block or a pass, that everything must be line. So I mean, that's definitely like a transition that uh, uh it took a while for me to uh, to get used to. It. But yeah,
7: okay,
3: yeah, man. Because uh, <laughs> it's funny you said that, uh, and and I can I can I can understand, man. It's like night and day because you know, you got to be quicker and stronger on the D line because the linemen are right in your face. You know, and, uh, I'm sure that was I'm sure that was um, you know, a humbling experience for you. So, um, when do you recall that moment where uh, you said, "You know what? I I I think I got this. I I can be good at this position." Do you remember? Was it a game? Was it during practice? Was it the? Do you remember a time when I guess the light bulb went on for you at d line? Um, I
7: mean, it wasn't
1: during the game, but it was actually before a season the summer, like, uh, uh workouts before season. And I would work with uh, some of the boys on D-line who been playing. Obviously, uh, I was talking with Bill at uh, Samson, or it was you, that Samson, who played D-line here, I mean, he's been playing his whole career at Eastern, and, you know, I'll would I would stick with him along with the, the other boys on D-line. He, um, just, like, points of what things to look for, you know? Like, their experience their knowledge like easier to hear from them and well so, I mean over the summer I just you know spent time working on technique and reads and you know um, so yeah I mean everything all the credit really goes to them and they, they taught me everything. That's
3: good man. Good good stuff. So what um position on the line did you play uh two, three, five and which one which and out of those positions if you played multiple, which one did you feel most uh comfortable playing? Um,
1: oh, I I play DN so five, uh, I would be in the five. Uh but you know sometimes you know on third down packages they'll put me in the three techs So I mean, really, I mean I was like you can put me anywhere really. And uh yeah. Those those third downs you would want to go
3: to where you can really run. Cool. Cool. All right, let me get back to Ken for a minute. Ken, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. All right. I was told and uh correct me if I'm wrong that Ken is short for contavious.
5: Yeah, you're
3: right. Do you ever get caught, go by contavus? Do you like you being called contavious or you just prefer Ken?
5: Oh, uh, it doesn't matter to me, it just depends on whoever whoever I'm talking to. Most people on the team call me Ken. Yeah, it
3: doesn't matter. Um, so I'm I'm assuming that probably uh some fam very, very close family members like a mother or a father yeah. or a grandmother or an auntie call you Contavious, right?
5: Yeah, right.
3: <laughs> um I, I I I'm sorry to, I regret to inform you. I know you told Bill how you knit up at Southern. Um uh, since you did not pick a Miac school, you made a uh, poor choice. Cause the MiAC is better than the Quack, man. <laughs> nah, man. Yeah, I had a couple of Miac offers. Okay, what, who, who,
5: who, who, who sent you offers? Uh, North Carolina AMT, North Carolina Central. Uh, it was one more. Uh, Hampton University.
3: Yeah. Okay, so what? How did you make the the poor choice? of uh, going to Southern <laughs> over those three MiAC schools, man. <laughs> Not nah, Southern uh, School.
5: Like I told Bill, it was basically just uh, it came down to who's who showed the most interest in me and which recruiting right. coach who was actually recruiting me was showing the most interest in, and made me feel like I'd be welcomed at that school. That's basically what it came down to in the academic okay. and athletics. So did you so did you visit all including Southern, you visited all four schools? Uh no, I had I have uh, many offers coming out of high school. I I visited Southern. I visited Charleston Southern. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a few more schools, but no, I didn't visit no uh, teams in the MEAC. Uh,
3: okay. Um, I don't know if you you talk to you're know Aaron Aaron Tiller, a defensive line. Yeah, team, that's right.
5: That was, that's that's what I'm training with up in Ohio. That's my best friend.
3: Okay, yeah, man, I I, I was messing with him the same thing about the swack and MEAC, man. So oh, of,
5: yeah.
3: <laughs> of, of course, of course, I must have attended a MEAC school. That's why I'm messing with you, man. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> nah, I, I I went to Norfolk State, man. So uh, and I'm I'm actually very proud of uh, the uh, MEAC and SWAC, um game that that's going on, man. But uh, definitely a lot of people for Southern and Gramblers and swack You guys always uh. Put, put out some good players. Um, just like I asked Aaron, man, what did you feel any pressure? Um, um, you know, following that rich tradition of uh, Southern University players, and, and 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 how was it like your first day on campus? Uh, you know, knowing that the school had a bunch of history.
5: Uh, no, I really didn't feel no pressure coming in because, like I said, the the group of us, the five, it was like five of us. It was me, Aaron, Danny, our quarterback, Austin, and I tight in Dylan. We we all came in and we all had it on our mind that just because we're freshmen, that's not going to limit us from actually playing or doing whatever. And we had that on our mind coming through the whole summer. We all reported to summer, and then coming through fall camp, we just had that on our mind. And the first game of the season, we played uh, UL, University of Lafayette, and. Uh, and there you there you see it by the second drive of the game, all five of us are playing. So it was we didn't have no we didn't have no time coming in to be ki be kids and learn to learn from the older guys because once we came in, there was there there's no going to the fire and now we now we're playing right. this first.
3: Okay, cool. How was How was your overall college experience, man? Tell me about your four years or Southern. My
5: four years at Southern, It was a, it was a nice time. It was. It was filled with a lot of adversity and overcoming obstacles that were placed in front of us that we had nothing to do with. But at the end of the day, I can say I enjoyed my four years at Southern, and it was a very nice time. Mr. Preston,
1: how much did the legendarily beautiful women on campus impact your decision, (laughs) and how much you enjoyed your time there?
5: I mean it really didn't impact my decision, but that I can say that there are many beautiful women on that campus. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, everywhere there you look. <laughs> yeah, you you can't you can't go wrong uh, in terms of oh, that. No,
5: you can't go wrong, that
1: southern. I tell a lot of people that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talk to me about your development as a player. Obviously, your coaches had an impact. Are there also any of your other players, some of your teammates, that might have helped you develop as a player? Uh,
5: that, as far, I, yeah, I, You could say that as far as, like, Aaron and, and Danny, us playing on the same side of the ball. We always pushed each other no matter what, whether it's in the weight room, talking smack to each other, getting each other to lift more weight, or whether it's out on the field coaching each other. Because me playing linebacker, me being the Mike linebacker of the defense, I had to know. What everyone was doing on the defense, so I wanted I can I went to Tiller to asking him about stunts and things that they ran, and I also went to Danny as far as knowing the coverages and where my corners and safeties would be, so I can say that those two players they they helped me out, they helped me become a better player, and I could also say that I helped them become a better player. Okay.
1: And who would you say is the guy who got the most? people's attention in the weight room? Who was the guy that made people sort of go, you know, and turn and look when he was moving weight in the weight room? Who's the most, who's the biggest beast,
5: basically, in your weight room? I mean, coming to, coming into my first year, it was it was by far, as far as the bench, it was by far in. Like, he came in, I think he hit at least, I think it was 415 his first year. Really? Yeah. He, I mean, as far as the bench, he was very strong, but like, I came we when it came to the weight room with me and Aaron we had different areas in which our strength was and I mean I came in and I probably hit about three thirty five but he came in and hit four fifteen but on cleans and squats I did so much of it in high school that I came in and I squatted I think it was four fifteen. I squatted four fifteen twelve times and I probably cleaned at least three fifteen. So it was like yeah, I I see Aaron over here benching four fifteen but as far as the squats and cleans that I could I could do that pretty well and just as much better as the top guys that were already there. But, yeah, Aaron, he, was, he, he killed that bench coming in our first year.
1: Yeah, that's a crazy number for an 18-year-old to be doing. Yeah. So I, I
5: was,
1: when, you said your personal favorites are squat and, and um, power clean?
5: Oh, I wouldn't say that's my personal favorite, but I feel like that's what I was the best at because I did so much of it in
1: high school. Okay. So, what is you, actually your favorite thing to do in the weight room? What's what's your favorite lift?
5: Um, I mean, I I would think that my favorite lift would have to be the bench, and probably after that, I would say hang clean.
1: Okay. And so, so just walk me through your 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 personal records. Now, obviously, you came in with big numbers in 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 the the power clean and and. Squat. Where are you now in terms of bench, power and squat? What do you think your 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 records would be in those lifts? I, I guess
5: I think my Hanks, bench would be around somewhere around 370. Uh, I, I would say my squat. At coming in, we didn't we didn't do one rep maxes on squats, but we did we did like our, our strength coach, Coach fingers, she would put like say for instance what she did with me, 415 on the bar, and let's see how many times you can hit it, but. When we got, we eventually got a new strength coach by the end of my senior year, and I hit 520 uh, the spring of my junior year. And after that, I didn't, I didn't squat for max anymore. So that
1: 520. 520 was, you said you said
5: 520 again. I said 520 is a good place to stop, actually. Yeah, yeah, I stopped there. Stop. It, it it really wasn't much more I had to do on squat as far as trying to get a bigger number than that. So yeah, I stopped there. And on the clean, I I think my clean max it was it only had got up a couple more pounds. It was about 325 because we really didn't we didn't clean for heavyweight. We did we probably did like two twenty five for eight reps. So it it really wasn't a lot of heavyweight
3: that we did throughout college. So
5: I would say on okay. the clean probably three twenty five.
3: Okay, hey, excuse me, excuse me, Bill and uh and Ken. Hey, uh Bill, Albert gotta cut out in a minute. Do you got any more questions for him? I do. Well, then I'll ask both questions. So, uh, weight room. Albert, hit me with what are your favorite lists and what are your personal
1: records in the, in the weight room? My, what is it? Yeah, your, your, what are your favorite lists, things you like to do the most, and what are your personal records in the weight room? Oh, power clean, sure. Uh, either power clean. Uh, reason being, like, I think it works for your explosiveness and need that. That any sport, really. So, power planes for sure. Um, I think the max I did was Uh I know I can do more, but that's the last time I'm maxed at, at that. Okay, you said your personal record in the power plane was what again? What was the number? 360. But 360, I I know yeah, <laughs> Okay. Uh, what do you think your best bench ever was? My bench number? your best bench what do you think your best bench was uh hey i would say you yeah, 395 or, or four hundred All right, then and what do you think your best squad ever might be uh same I had the same answer with uh uh you uh, just before me you can't really do matches more but wait how much you do. Okay, so what was your – if you're doing, like, a, a set of three reps, what what would the weight you'd be working in on – your heaviest weight you'd do on squats if you're doing, say, three reps? I think it would be, like, 485, 500. Okay. Okay. So if you can do 485 or 500 reps, it means you probably can squat damn close to 600 pounds. So that's not not too shabby. And – um, your pro day is is that like a week week and a half away? When's your pro day? Uh, it was yesterday. Oh well, then what are your pro day numbers, young man? Um, uh, bench I put up twenty nine. Okay, uh, I have the stats right here. Uh, the broad jump was a nine three. My third was a twenty nine. Uh, my forty, you know. Uh, these drills, you know, it, I don't know if it's official, but I know it's, I could do math, but my 40 was a 4'8", they say. Um, my three-cone, I believe, was a 7'3", and uh, my shuttle was a four five, four four, four five. 4'5". Okay, and what was your official height and weight? Uh, I was 6'1", 278. Okay. So you're one of those guys who's – some people see as an interior rush guy, and some people think can play, you know, like I said, further out. Obviously, they'd like you to be taller if you're going to play a five technique. Who are some mm-hmm. of the guys in the NFL, Albert, that you've watched that maybe remind you of yourself as a player? You know, that's a good question. Um, it's hard to say, but uh, really, like, with position-wise, I feel like I can play anywhere, really. Uh, but I, I don't... I can 't come up with one person that reminds me of myself, okay, well, I'm going to give you one to work. <laughs> you know, look this guy up. Um, his name is Turk McBride, and he played some you know kind of a shorter D end, but he also played some D tackle uh University of Tennessee, about an inch taller than you, but almost exactly the same. Height, I mean almost exactly in weight. About an inch taller, about the same weight. I think it was 278 on the nose, or 277 at his uh, at his when he weighed in. And he was a guy that had a, some power to his game and had a little bit of twist, sort of like you. Now, my final question, because I know you have to run. If I'm trying to sell you to an NFL scout, it's like look, you gotta you gotta watch this kid. You gotta see this kid. I'm telling you, this kid's got it. Um, what game should I put on? To make an NFL scout say, "Okay, you're right. I gotta, we gotta talk to this kid. We gotta bring him in."
6: Uh,
1: Rich.
4: University.
1: It was our quarterfinal game. Okay. And why that game? What about that game stands out? It was a blowout. They didn't score no points. Okay, for good reason. You can't you can't hold somebody to less than no points, right? Yeah, I mean that's the best game, the most memorable game, really. Uh, it, it's just me that you know that did good. Everyone, everyone that did good. So. Okay, got it. Well, um, please do let Brian know. I appreciate once again all this assistance. If you could actually get to me all of your protein numbers, that will help me tremendously because I can plug those directly in to the profile. Also respond, if you have an email, or maybe you didn't get it yet, but if you provide an email, uh, we'll send an email that has some of the questions we were able to cover, some we didn't get to because you had to run, but if you provide answers to those questions and send back a photograph, uh, we will then publish that. It'll show up in Nuts and Sports, and then there's also a series on NFL Draft Bible that will have a more reduced version, so it'll probably be just five or six questions and your answers. And in that version. There's a full version that will be in um, nothing but sports uh, probably in just a few days. Albert, I wish you very, very much all the best. I think that you're one of those guys that it does take somebody with a vision to see how to use you and maybe mm-hmm. move you around, kick you inside on sub-packages on third and passing downs and maybe play you, you know, vacuum even stand you up at times in certain packages. You could be a little LeBron Kirk. There's a guy you're kind of like, actually. Back when he used to that giant linebackers, LeBron Kirkwood was a 280. Well, he was he was not supposed to be 280. He was supposed to be like 260 something. But I'm I'm telling you, he was very good at 280. He was 280, he a 280-pound linebacker, about six foot one,
5: uh, from Clemson,
1: and played with the Blitzburg, uh era Pittsburgh Steelers and their Blitzburg era when uh, Dick LeBeau was cooking up some of the craziest blitzes you ever want to see, dropping you know. Uh, defensive ends, dropping D tackles, and rushing everybody else. Fun stuff. If you like fire zone blitzes, uh, look at some of that Dick LeBeau stuff from the 1990s when he had Kevin Green and Jason Gilden and Greg Lloyd and Borland and Von Kirkland and Chad Brown. They just went out and punted quarterbacks. That's all they did. They didn't, if you ran on the ball, they got kind of mad, but mostly they were trying to, try to, try to smash the quarterback around. But, uh, Albert, it has been a real joy, a real pleasure. I'm sorry I didn't get to ask all the questions I wanted to, but please look for that email, soon. Okay,
0: thank
1: you. Thanks for the opportunity. Okay, Yanni, enough defense. Hey, quarterback list, too, not just curls for the girls. Uh, Talk to me about how a quarterback approaches the weight room and what things you look to accomplish. Uh,
7: I mean, throughout my career, I kind of did what everyone else did. Um... I guess my, my my best clean was two eighty five. My best squad was four oh five and my best bench was two seventy five. So not like those other guys you just spoke to, but uh I think they're pretty good numbers for a quarterback. Yes,
4: exactly. Pretty
1: good numbers for a quarterback. You no know, one's expecting you to, you know, go in there and squat six hundred pounds. I mean every single player wanna talk like a Dante Culpepper who's doing that kind of crazy foolishness, but you don't have to be that guy. You don't have to be lifting like a lineman. Mm-hmm. So uh, when a quarterback goes in the weight room, they have a different set of goals anyway, what is a quarterback looking to do when they go into the weight room as opposed to, you know, one of these, you know, thick neck monsters?
7: Well, first and foremost, I always incorporate some sort of, like, shoulder work, whether it be bands or, like, YTWs or use the TRX. So definitely something to help my shoulders stay stable and strong every time I go in the weight room, first and foremost, and then kind of get into my workout.
1: Okay, good. And and once again, I'm no guru, but I talked about the goals that they have for themselves, the things they're trying to accomplish when they go into the weight room. And a lot of them talk about uh, working on their trunk, power and flexibility. A lot of them talk about... Uh, so Atlanta, Georgia is in the eastern high zone. Save Jackoviser for the current local time. Uh, building uh-huh. and keeping explosive oh, yeah. there, uh-huh. uh, Building and keeping explosive power in motion in their trunk and and also, you know, a certain amount of lower body strength, but obviously there's an emphasis on core strength and things like that.
7: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean the Power in your throat doesn't come from your arm. It comes from your core. So that's definitely a big right. piece of what I do when I go in the weight room as well. It's kind of core, my shoulder, and then big emphasis on lower body as well.
1: Got it. Okay. And did you also lift in high school, or did you really not get into really using the weights until you got to college?
7: Uh, I started lifting probably my freshman year of high school and then more got into it sophomore year, like really into it.
6: Hello. Yanni, I mean, uh, I'm
3: sorry, maybe Bill.
6: Went out again, Bill,
3: are you there? I guess we'll, we'll just carry on until he gets back. Hey, um, I think we've been called. We've been uh, joined by another person, Daniel. Are you there? Hey, Daniel, are you on the line? Cool. All right, Yanni, um. Bill was asking you about a lot of uh, weightlifting. Um, that's something that I know you have to do, but it's not something that you put too much emphasis on, correct?
7: Yeah, I mean it's important to stay strong so you prevent injury, but uh, definitely more of the cerebral part and the the throwing part is more important to a quarterback's game. All right. Um, we
3: we love uh, most. We've had most of our show has been uh, of the backs and uh. Quarterbacks and defensive linemen. So, uh, anytime we have a quarterback on the show, man, we—I know myself. I like to pick his brain and like to see how he sees the field and um, how quick he takes from the things he's learned from the film room and applies it to the the field. So, um, as you prog- as you progress as a quarterback, when when did you know uh, that you belonged? you could play at a high level in college?
7: Uh, I think probably in the middle of my junior year. I kind of just started understanding football more and understanding defenses. My coach, Coach Pugh, he's a long-time coach, 40-year coach, so he definitely uh, understand helped me understand defenses as uh, my career went on. And when I got to varsity, it was kind of a whole new animal, but it kind of just helped me develop as a player, and I started reading defenses better when I got to the higher level. Okay. Did you
3: see um? Did you see a lot of defenses that um uh, in college that you probably or that NFL teams run?
7: Uh, probably the the team that mixed up their coverages the most is probably AIC, American International College, and they they got a bunch of athletes up there, and they kind of they play with their safeties a lot, so they're kind of rolling rock and. They they have good enough athletes to be able to do that. So that was kind of the toughest team I played. Learning uh how to pick up their defense because you had to key their safeties on every down. Okay. So uh, how many
3: times did you play against those guys? And, um, how did you? Play? Uh, five, five times
7: throughout my career. Okay. Well, four because I got hurt my okay. junior year. So did you
3: have to prepare more so for that team than the other team?
7: Uh. I wouldn't say more, but I think I just had to be aware of more defenders on each play at once. I guess you could say because uh, they're they're real good uh, cover guys and they can recover quickly even if they got beat. So it's kind of like keying multiple players on one play for certain plays.
3: If someone were to describe your, um, you know, your throwing style, would you be considered a gunslinger? You can make all the throws or accurate quarterback or short intermediate guy, what 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 kind of guy you think people would uh, try, to, try to categorize? Everyone tries to categorize a player, and that doesn't mean you fit into that box, but what would you think
7: people would say about your, your throwing style? Uh, I think my accuracy is my strongest uh, attribute as a player. I've always had a pretty good percentage, and uh, I think I can put the ball where I want it.
3: Okay. That's good. Um so you said you played in the spread in college, correct? Yes. Was there any emphasis on you uh playing in the center or at least having some a few plays from dropping back, you know, three, five, seven or or you guys primarily um, just ran everything out
7: of the spread? My first four years is pretty much ninety percent gun. Uh this my fifth year this past year we had a, a package where it was all under center, so I'd say it was probably eighty percent gun, maybe seventy-five percent. So definitely some drop-back stuff, but mostly gun throughout my career.
3: Now, as the quarterback of this offense and as a team, what's your uh, what's your goal going into a game? As far as running the offense, like what what do you what how do you try to establish a rhythm? How do you try to approach the opponent?
7: Like preparation wise like throughout the week throughout the week
3: and on game day, like I know it's the game the coaches worked all week, they put the game plan together, you gotta to go through your installs, and then on game day, like what is your mindset like what I, I, do you say, okay, I wanna just attack these guys and run up the score and 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 get our defense a comfortable lead and and let them pin their errors back, or are you just saying, let me just work, let me just work work through my progressions, work the game plan and and see you know and 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 hopefully we get some opportunities,
7: yeah, I mean, throughout the week, it's kinda a bunch of film study and visualizing our plays against their defenses that they're gonna be running, and making sure I know all my checks if I see a certain defense, what are we checking to, what are we checking out of uh and then I guess on game day it's kinda it's kind of just trying to make every play a masterpiece, I guess, kind of cliche, but if you make every play. <laughs> If you um, give every play your best effort and you go one and all on each play, you'll uh, hopefully have have the win towards the end of the game or at the end of the game. Now, again, I love the quarterback position because
3: so many it's so many things tied into to your success. So, um, did you make calls? Did you make adjustment calls at the line,
7: and did you make play calls and audibles at the line as well? Yeah, this year more than ever, honestly, this year. Uh, I'd say I probably like seven to ten times a game I would change a play or, or audible out of a play. Okay. And uh, I know
3: uh, being a quarterback, you have to have tough skin because and you you just mentioned the cliché. I'll give you throw another cliché out there. Everyone is open on every play all the time,
7: <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, some, of those, some so, of those receivers.
3: So how does a quarterback um, – it's impossible to evenly distribute the ball, but I know
7: that's the goal. How
3: how do you go about handling that?
7: I mean, I've been lucky my whole career. I've played with uh, groups of great guys, and no one's really been selfish. So it's kind of, as long as you find the open man and guys see that you're moving the ball down the field, they're not going to get greedy. And and if the offense is running, if you have a good offense, everyone's going to touch the ball. It shouldn't be predicated on just one guy getting the ball. So Everyone I've played with has understood that and kind of understood that they're going to get their touches if the offense is run the correct way. Okay, cool. So now also, how important is it
3: um, to have that time off the field uh, with your, I guess, your your skilled players, the running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers? And, and, and does that help you guys? Or did that help you guys on Saturday?
7: Yeah, those those are my best friends. I mean, throughout my career, uh, especially this year, we, we're just a tight-knit group of guys, and all the skilled players always hang out. And that's uh, really important. Is if you have a good connection and a good friendship, you're going to find each other on the field a lot better, and it feels better when you find your boys out there on the field.
3: They say that um, people are born to play quarterback. Would you say that's true? Uh,
7: yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. I mean people definitely develop into that type of player but I think you need, you need a special kind of person to be able to handle uh those responsibilities I guess. And uh it's definitely you get all the all the blame when you lose but all the praise when you win, so that's something I've kinda of lived with and it feels good when you win but you gotta kinda gotta take the grunt of stuff when you lose but that's what comes with the job I guess. Yeah. Right. So speaking of that,
3: how um do you keep yourself grounded knowing that again, um You're going to get most of the bulk of the criticism when the
7: team doesn't perform. Uh, I mean, I'm a pretty even-keeled guy, so uh, I could kind of take that criticism. Um, Some people might not be able to take it, but I think it just comes to the territory. You need to be able to learn how to take that, take constructive criticism, and kind of criticism that isn't. maybe, Maybe they don't have the credentials to be giving you that criticism, but you just kind of got to take it on the chin and and try to be better next week what about um coaches
3: um has any one coach had a big influence on you even from your days prior to liu posts? uh um has any one coach had any um influence on you or spent a bunch of coaches throughout your, your
7: playing days uh i'd say uh every coach has kind of put an influence on me but this my quarterback coach from this past year coach Teal, he kind of kind of showed me how to like, you, you always think you work hard throughout your life, but you kind of showed me how to work hard this year. Uh, I would be I'd pretty, I was a grad student, so I only had a couple of night classes a night, and I would literally be in in the field house all day, kind of either watching film, doing drops, like, visualizing reads, and it's kind of like, it should be a job, and that's what it was this year for me, and it was, I was there from eight to seven, so he kind of showed me what it meant to work, like, truly work, and I appreciate that from him, and he kind of opened up my football mind this year as well. Uh, he helped me understand things better, and um, I'm grateful for that. Did you have a, a favorite uh,
3: favorite play that you guys ran that you knew it, going, it was going to work? Like, no matter who, how much did the other team prepared, no matter what kind of what how athletic or quick the other players were, or, uh, the opponents were. Is, is there a play that that you really relied on and knew that you guys could could be successful in that play?
7: Yeah, I think our bread and butter this year was, we call it comeback. So basically the two inside receivers have, have seams and two outside receivers have a conversion route. So it would be either a 15-yard comeback or a vertical. And it's kind of based on this, the defense, the coverage. So if it was two, they'd convert to vertical. Any other coverage, like three, two man, four, they'd keep on the comeback. And it was kind of whatever defense the other team threw at us, there was always an adjustment adjustment that could be made. To make the play successful, so I think that was a, my favorite play and our best play.
1: Cool. Uh, let me switch back to uh,
3: Kentavious real quick, Gianni. Can, can you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. So
1: um, did you
3: uh, –
5: Hold on. Can you repeat the question? I couldn't hear
3: you. I was asking uh, when's your pro day, or did you did – you... Your pro day hadn't 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 come up yet, correct? Oh our
5: pro day is until April
3: fourth. Oh wow, was one of the last last pro days. Gotta say the best for last, right?
5: <laughs> yeah, it's one of the last. <laughs> is it
3: uh it's gonna be at Southern University?
5: Yeah, it's gonna be at Southern.
3: Okay. Um how long um have you preparing for the pro day and um what are you working on
0: specifically?
5: Uh, I've been ever since a couple weeks after the season. That's that's when I really well. I got in, I played in the College Good Iron Showcase in Dallas, and right after that, like not even a couple of days, I went straight into training.
3: Okay. What what are you um? Are you personally working on and trying to show off and display at your pro Air? uh
5: Personally, I'm just working on my my forty. I'm working on the bag drills, and I'm working on the, uh, multiple drops many drops that I know I would have to uh do
3: at Pro Back. Okay. And so you you listed at um five, eleven, is that correct? Yeah. And uh so how many different positions uh did you play in at linebacker? I just really played the mic and the wheel. The two inside backers. Okay. Is is there one that you prefer over the other?
6: Uh if I had to choose one, it'll probably be the wheelbacker.
1: Why is that? Uh, I I can see I can see the field a whole lot more being in the boundary, and I know
5: that even though stuff comes up on me fast as far as guards pulling into the boundary and and tackles running and tackles running the OT, I feel like I can see a whole lot better playing the wheel than the mic. But the mic, it's it's pretty simple as well. But playing in, in the boundary is like you're in the boundary, so there's not much more space beside you, but to the left you you can see everything as far as the field.
0: Okay.
3: Since we have a quarterback and a linebacker on on the call, um what Ken, what do you do? Uh or, or how do you try to I guess confuse or counter what a quarterback is trying to do against you guys and you as well? Uh, as far
5: as me trying to counter them, I like to – well, when I'm playing, I like to walk around. I like to move around. So, sometimes lining up over the number three receiver, probably showing a cover four look. And then before when the quarterback gets in his cadence, I'll move back into the box, whether we're playing cover three or cover two, and i move back into my A-gap. So, basically just disguising, sometimes showing the quarterback that I may be blitzing, but in reality, it's probably the other linebacker that's blitzing it. Just messing with the quarterback and the lineman's eyes. That's
3: that's really what I like doing. So, how how effective were you disguising your your coverages or your 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 intentions um, as far as like? um, Let me ask that again. As far as disguising your intentions and your coverages, how effective? You know, what did you guys get out of those plays? Like, where, where Was it a good play for the defense?
5: Was it a good one for the defense? Yeah, it was was good wins. Like I said, I didn't really do it that much, but when I did do it, it was very good. It was a very successful play as far as the defense because sometimes quarterbacks, they would think that I would be opening up to the number three receiver in trips and I'll get back in the box and at the snap, our safety will come down and the safety will be right there if the quarterback is going a hot route or whatnot. So the disguises that I did. Very few times of the game, it worked a lot, but I didn't do it much because, like, like everybody knows that quarterbacks they'll start catching on to what you're doing and they'll just start checking it and calling hot routes and stuff. So I did it a okay. couple
3: times a game, but the couple times I did do it, it worked. Now, when when you guys went into that uh, that game, you know, and again, you say you didn't do it that often. So the times you did it, was it based on? Um, the scouting report on that quarterback, was he known not to probably be able to read defenses, or it just was a just was the defense just trying to do something different to a different team?
5: Uh, it was basically just a defense trying to do something different to a different team.
3: Okay. Uh, let me switch back to Yanni. Yanni, you heard what Ken said, how he tries to confuse a quarterback. So when you see a, a linebacker, a little linebacker moving around, What's going through your mind?
7: I mean, I'm just kind of thinking where he's going to go, but I think a big part of it is maybe the film study. If uh, if I've seen a player kind of do that and play like that, maybe you'll see when he does that or what he's going to do after he does that. So, I mean, certain players are, are really good at hiding and, and uh, disguising things like that, but sometimes you can maybe pick up on some of that in film study.
3: Mm-hmm. So, let
7: me, let me break that down a little bit more. So, when you say certain
3: players are good at disguising that, tell me exactly what you mean by
7: that. Uh, like, a, a certain player is definitely – could be, like, gifted enough to be in a, a far position from where they're going to end up and be able to get mm-hmm. to where they're going to be in that defense when the play starts. So, that definitely can confuse me at times. Uh, you might not think the player will be able to get there. Like, if I'll go to throw a hitch out there, but he'll get out there – 'Cause I think he's too far and I'll go to throw the hitch, but he's good enough to get underneath the hitch. It's kinda it's kinda tough for the quarterback to read that sometimes. Okay, so
3: what I'm hearing is that player who can disguise his coverage very well consistently has to be intelligent, um and has to have a concept of what you're trying to do to understand what you're trying to do as well. And also um have quite a bit of range in athleticism as well. That that sounds about right? Yeah, you hit it right the head. Okay. So um, let's say during film study, you know, Ken Preston, Southern University, you know that they disguise their coverages 50% of the time. Uh, I'm sorry, but 50% of the time they, they've been successful. So you don't really know. I mean, they haven't had a poor success rate of disguising their coverages. So does that change how you
7: attack them or we'll prepare for them? Uh, I mean, there might be certain plays in the game plan to attack where they might be going or what what spots they might be leaving, but I think uh, my read's kind of the same on each play. It's kind of key to safeties, and then depending on the play, it could be to the corner to the outside backer, or it could be hold the middle backer to high-low the outside backer. So it's kind of as long as you key the right people and read the right people, it's, it's kind of not irrelevant what the other guys do, but it's kind of, more about who you're reading and who you're high low and or who you're stretching. So yeah, if you see if you see each defender and you know you look at in front of your throws, I think you should be okay. Cool. All right,
3: so let me switch back to Kent. So Quint, Ken, you know uh Gianni is it Cavallis? Gianni?
7: Yeah. Yes sir.
3: Did I say it right? Yeah. Uh I am sorry, I'm a very overall anal at pronouncing people's names, so I try to be far. right. So Gianni Gavallis, um quarterback liu post you know they read run a spread offense he pretty much told you you know how they he attack and approaches the game so Mm -hmm. spread offense southern university how did you guys attack spread offense which is i'm sure most of the offenses you see nowadays in college football so was anything unique that you guys did or try to take away or a team that played a spread offense
5: uh Probably it it really just depended on what type of what what they were running with the spread and what personnel they were in if they were in ten or if they were in empty uh it just all came down to what personnel they were in that that would then determine that would make our defensive coordinator determine how we would play against it like if we played if we played a uh, a team that went five wide we would probably bring an extra like a nickel nickel corner in and take a and go to a three down D line that way we'll have a uh person in the secondary to help and if they came out in eleven personnel with a tight end on the ball and still spread it out.
4: It just it really all just depended
5: on what the personnel was. Okay.
3: So okay. Empty empty personnel. So five wide, what what do you guys do that? What was the uh, plan well, for, for that team?
4: Well we probably we
3: probably
5: it's all on Some some games, if the team came out of empty, we would, we would fire, them up, fire them up right away. We would probably <laughs> just knock on man-to-man with all our secondary. And we will blitz, uh, me and the other linebacker, we will blitz both A and B gaps just to, just to send pressure on the quarterback and make him get the ball out of his hands quick. And other times, we would just play a zone and just try to see if their receivers can get where they're supposed to be. And if they can't, then. It's up the Aaron Tiller and our other defense ends and defensive tackles to get to the quarterback.
3: Okay. Going back to you, Yanni. All right.
7: How often did you guys run an empty empty set?
1: Uh,
7: not very often, but a decent amount. We were more we were either in uh twenty personnel, so we'd have two backs in the backfield and, and go two by one or we we're usually two by two. We went five by sometimes. Okay. So, um
3: when you guys ran empty, how many how many hots did you have?
7: How many hots you said?
3: Yeah, how many hot reads did you have? And who who was the primary when you guys ran for five and, what? Uh,
7: five off offense, uh, we really didn't have hots. It was more if if we saw a blitz coming, we'd kind of check into either quick game or or sprint out. But if we had like a like a five step or a three step game on, there was no really hots, so we had to always check out of it. So I would usually check out the sprint or kind of sprint out shovel, like those type of things. Okay. So back to you, Ken. He told you that they
3: barely ran an empty set, and they usually had two backs in the backfield,
7: but they still ran
3: a a spread offense. So from you told me how you guys attacked empty backfield, and you probably just fired off most of the game. How did you guys attack a spread offense when they had two backfields, two running backs in the backfield most of the time? Uh. Honestly, we, as far as it being two true running backs in the
5: backfield, we didn't really see that. But if it was like an ace back, like some a fullback that lined up behind the tackle or the guard, then we'll just – we'll play – usually me, if I'm at Mike, I'll play man on the ace back. If he goes vertical, then I'll take him. And then we'll play cover three throughout the rest of the field just so I could just lock up the ace back. But if it was two, like two true running backs, we really didn't see that. We probably only seen that like once. And I that was probably like my first year. So in our context, okay. we really didn't see two true running backs, but two backs as far as a running back and an H back that lined up behind the tackle. We've seen that a lot and we were we would mix the coverages up depending on if that ace back was to the field or to the boundary. Okay,
3: cool. Um back to you, Yanni. So quarterbacks made mistakes, they threw interceptions. Um, you know what contributed? Um, I'm trying to ask you the question without trying to blame a teammate because I'm I'm not uh, I want to encourage you to blame anyone. So um, okay, did yeah, the, the coverage, the the disguising coverages, uh, or pressure on you and your face, disrupting your timing, play more into you? you know, maybe throwing
7: an interception. Uh, I mean, those things definitely definitely are factors. I mean, if someone's bearing down on you, trying to get the ball out, might make a bad throw or throw too early. Um, but I mean, you just have to have a short memory and get back there on the field the next time and try to score. Well, yeah, I
3: guess what I was trying to get at is uh, I do know when pressure, when a quarterback, when he can't step up, I mean that's usually a, a good a win for the defense. It disrupts you know the quarterback's power and the stress on his release. But also, let's say if the pocket was clean, did it, did it was was a lot of did a lot of coverages fool you into throwing in the spot, or you think you were able to handle that pretty well?
7: Uh, maybe like earlier on in my career, but I think uh, as I got older, I got more mature as a player, and and I was able to recognize. Different movements and different coverages, better. So, I think that helped me a lot. Like the more experience I had, the the more understanding I had. So, it was kind of easier for me as as I got older. Okay, and back to you, Ken.
3: Um, I I know from a defensive perspective, coaches are always saying put pressure in, pressure the quarterback, pressure on the quarterback. Did you find more times that when you got you guys did get to the quarterback, um, the result?
5: favorite the defense? Uh yeah, we the times that we did, I can say that most of the times when we did decide to put pressure on the quarterback, we ended up getting to him, but playing in the swag, you're playing a lot of athletic quarterbacks. Like if the quarterbacks, if they were to play at another school on another level level, they would probably play receiver and this and like that. So a lot of quarterbacks in our conference, they were very athletic. So when you got pressure on the quarterback you had to make sure you had some things because if not, he's going to get out the pocket. And when he gets out the pocket, there's no telling how many yards he can pick up. So the times we did put pressure on the quarterback, I can honestly say that we got to him. Okay.
3: Well, speaking to the point of you guys primarily facing athletic quarterback, was there a – did you guys have a spy dedicated to to that quarterback or – just ran your defense and trusted that your linebackers and your, your other uh, players were athletic enough to to get to them? Uh,
4: no, we.
5: Didn't, I don't think it ever got to a point where we needed to put a spy on the quarterback. I think I believe, I want to see what game is that there was a few times we did that against Granville in my, my sophomore season when they had Jonathan Williams and he was a very elusive quarterback and I, I remember we put in spies on him but Besides that we really we really didn't need to put a spot on the quarterback. We just knew that our deep defensive ends would keep contained on them and if our deep tackles if they stayed in their rush lanes, it would come wide open for somebody to get the sack.
3: Okay. All right. Tell me about some guys in the SWAC that you played against um uh, offensively that um, well not just in the SWAC, guys you played in throughout your career that uh, are playing now on Saturday on Sundays or We'll, we'll,
5: we'll see in the future. Are you thinking any guys? Oh, yeah, there, there's plenty of do- guys. Uh, my What was that? My first? First year we played Lafayette and I can't remember the running back's name. It's Elijah something. He plays for the New York Jets right now. Okay. can't remember. I can't remember his last name, but he was one of those guys. Uh, my sophomore season, we played Louisiana Tech when they had all those guys. They had Kenneth Dixon, who plays running back. He's a running back, and I can't remember what team he plays for. And we also played UGA my sophomore year, so you know all the talent they had on that team with (laughs) Tony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Keith Marshall. So, yeah, we we played teams in our conference, but the out-of-conference teams we played, it was always on the FBS level, so we always played top-talent teams. That's
3: cool. And... So you Yanni, name some guys that you played
7: against that were very, very good man and uh that you can think of. Uh, this this linebacker from AIC, Demetrius Steed, he was when I was a sophomore, he was a senior, uh he was a really good player. I'm i I'm not sure if he played afterwards. I think he played overseas for a couple of years, but he was such a hard hitter. I remember when our our guard was pulling for a power play and he just leveled him and is
0: just kinda <laughs> as
7: as a grown man hitting someone, so I mean there's there's been some good players like uh one of the receivers my sophomore year, he was the all time uh reception leader for D two so I've definitely played with some good players and and uh this year we had I think my buddy Mike Richardson is a really good receiver. I think he might get a shot next year so we'll see what happens with him.
0: Cool, cool,
7: cool, cool. Anyway, I ask that a lot because um
3: you know, playing in lower level schools. Um, I mean, um, we know, and when I say we, people who actually watch film and again reach out to guys like you, like you all to interview, we know there's talent throughout throughout the country. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's 32 teams. Unfortunately, it's, and that's if you want to focus on getting to the NFL. Uh, with anyone journey or has a desire and goal and dream to play in the NFL, know there's only 32 teams only fifteen hundred players and only three hundred spots open up every year for what two thousand kids, you know. So um so you know you you pretty much gotta do twice as much um have the chips fall your way. Um and I'm glad that they do have the pro days for you guys to show off your talent and uh you know get at least at least get a look at camp, you know, someone's camp and uh you know hopefully and Bill I'm I'm gonna use some some phrases, Bill. Use Bill always say you got to embarrass someone and make an example of someone to you know get your coach, get a coach's attention, which is uh, which is very true, especially what well, every uh, position outside of a quarterback, I would say you know, uh, everyone else way into the team would be through teams. So um, with that said, um, I don't think Bill, have you returned yet? I, don't think I have possible. returned. Oh, you have. Yes. Thank you, Mister Carroll. For joining us again.
1: Yeah, I've been having some some technical difficulties, but I have returned. Uh,
3: I have a couple of quick questions for Johnny. Uh,
1: who are some of the quarterbacks that you feel like you can learn from, or have learned from
7: by watching them in your career? Like guys I've played against, or like guys in the NFL.
1: Guys you played against, guys you've watched on television, guys you've watched on tape. I, I don't care if they came over to the house. Anyone that you've watched and you felt like you learned something from them at the quarterback position?
7: Uh my my freshman year there's actually a kid, Joe Clancy, at Merrimack oh. and he
1: went on to play for yeah. the Packers. I'm sorry? He went on to play for the Packers.
7: No, I don't I don't know I don't think he got a shot. I'm not sure. But I, he played Arena for a little bit. I think he went to Sweden for like a season. I'm pretty sure there's only one Joe Clancy from Merrimack that I can think of and he,
1: he he may not have been with the Packers long, but he was with the Packers for a little bit.
7: Was he? Oh, I'm I'm not sure. He might have been. But yeah, he he was he was pretty good player. I remember watching him my freshman year and he threw for a whole bunch of yards and I was kinda trying to chase that those kind of stats and win. So him definitely my favorite player is Drew Brees in the NFL. Uh, I love his accuracy. He kind of, he can kind of put the ball wherever he wants, like when he wants it. And he's a tough guy. He's dealt with adversity, so I like him as a person and a player.
1: Those are two good
7: choices. And
1: oddly enough, they're both guys who are much smaller than you. I think Clancy measured in at like six feet and five eighths of an inch or something. And of course, Drew Brees, rather famously, you know, six feet and like one eighth of an inch, barely six feet. Uh, you're not a giant, but you're certainly bigger than those guys. It's interesting that you didn't mention any of the sort of the bigger guys, the guys, you know, who are 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". Um, do you really – it sounds like you admire the quick decision makers and the guys with quick feet as opposed to the big, giant, strong arm guys.
7: Yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of my game, too, as well. I don't think I have the strongest arm. I think I have decent arm strength, but I think my, my uh, release, my footwork, and my accuracy are definitely the better parts of my game okay i'd be I'd be inclined to agree what are your favorite routes to throw? uh, I love comebacks, I love digs uh I love speed outs, probably comebacks and digs are my two favorite okay,
1: so I'm gonna put you in a situation. You're three by one uh third and eight, late in the game, a minute and fourteen seconds to go. You're, you're at least on the right side of the 50. You're on the other team's 38, but you're down by fourth. You need a touchdown. Give me a we-gotta-have-it um, third and eight play that works against a team that plays kind of a, match, a match-up cover three zone.
7: Uh, yeah, I was just telling uh, Kofi before about our bread and butter's comeback. So uh, ah. so if, if we're in three-by-one, we have the single receiver has either a comeback or cover two, he's converting it, but it's three-match, so he'll be on a comeback. Uh, number three's got an under route. Number two's got a seam a that can bend against cover two, but it's cover three, so he's going to keep it on straight. And number one to the other side of the comeback is three match. So it's kind of kind of our outside guys going up against their corners. And if the backer gets underneath, i got to flip to the other side. But hopefully he can get the ball out there and he could beat the guy one-on-one on the comeback and get the first down. Got it. Got it.
1: So it's all about you going to be okay when they put you off of the board to design a play. Now, have you had scouts come by your practices yet and things like that?
7: Uh, no. I mean, uh, my agent's kind of just working on getting me into a pro day right now. And then uh, I'm probably going to hit a bunch of the CFL workouts that they tour around the country.
6: Hello? Hey, Bill, you there?
3: I think we talked again, gentlemen. <laughs> okay, um well that's good, uh Yanni. I'm glad to hear that you uh, keep your you kept you know, you got a um open mindset. Um can we at Pro Prospect Radio Show always want to encourage and support guys uh, uh, pursuing their football dreams. You know, um and um so are you are you like seriously considering the C F L or just you just wanna try out for whoever and wherever?
7: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just considering anyone that's gonna give me an opportunity. So I'm definitely taking that seriously. And uh, one of the teams asked for game film for my coach. So hopefully they like what they see, and hopefully when I go there to throw, someone will like what they see, and we'll see what happens. Well, no no doubt we're we,
3: we're not we don't even have a we don't have any doubt that someone will uh will be impressed by what they see on film because Bill and I were impressed watching your film. Um, Thank you. I appreciate again, see, that. Um, and like I told you guys earlier, man, one thing you have to stand on and be confident about is the game film. Um, you know, some guys play three years, four years, two years, whatever film you put out there. Um, again, real scouts, people who know the game, um, know that that's the person playing football out there and let's see how he plays football and, you know, how he translates to this, this league and this team, you know, et cetera. So that, that you should always feel proud of what you put out there. And, uh, you know, Things you can control. You can't control your height. You can control your weight. You can control how strong you are. You can control how quick you get. And uh, how, you know, um, so those are things you can control, man. Uh, but the tape is the tape. So um, again, you put some good tape out there, man. So the CFL, um, again, man, and everyone's dream is to play NFL, which I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, and I'm sure me and Bill had uh, dreams of playing professionally long time ago you know but uh mine was derailed early on and uh so i i'm i kind of envy you guys you guys in a good position man and uh you never know what what doors are ahead of you so uh just um you know just keep grinding man but with that being said the cfl man is it's still a professional league and it's been it hasn't had any problems it hasn't failed it hasn't gone bankrupt so it's been thriving for years and it's always an opportunity i think people just have to uh Look at it just as, as that, you know, and don't try to compare it to the NFL. So I'm glad to hear that you, um, again, man, you you're open to, you know, playing there and, um, and I guess wherever other leagues are um, are open to you. What, what um what pro days are either close to you or coming up that your agent is trying to get you into? Uh,
7: I think he's pushing for the Stony Brook one right now. Okay, kind you know just when waiting they're... to hear back from them. Okay. Do you know when
3: that's uh, scheduled?
7: Uh, no, I'm not sure when it is. I think it's I think it's this month, though. Okay. Or early next month.
3: Okay. Well, I, I can say one thing: if you don't know the date, that means you'll be ready, <laughs> which is good.
7: Yeah.
3: <laughs> You're like you don't know, but whenever you get told the pro day you'll be ready, man, and that's that's good, man. I, I I like I said, man, I'm very fond of the mindset you have. Again, man, I, quarterback, man, I. I love uh, talking to quarterbacks, man, because you guys uh, have to see the game and approach it uh, so different than uh, most of the other positions, man. So um, again, it's a lot on your shoulders, and you and you you know what a person is made of, man. You know, playing quarterback, man. So if what what do you think? I ask you what scouts might say about your 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 style. So
7: what do you think your teammates would have to say about
3: who Yanni
7: Gavialis is and whether well, their quarterback? Uh, like playing style or as a person?
3: As 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 a quarter as their quarterback as their teammate.
7: I mean, I, I try to pride myself on being a great teammate, and I think they they'd say the same. But uh, you just have to be there for your guys whenever they need it. You need to if things are going bad, you need to be the same guys you would be. If things are going good, you can't be that that fair weather quarterback. So I mean, you kind of just got to be even keeled and and uh, stay calm under pressure, calm, cool, and collected, and Show them that they're, you're there for them no matter what. Cool. Uh,
3: in in the spirit of Bill Carroll, because, um, again, I don't know when he'll be back on, but I don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, I'll ask a few questions that I know he'll probably want to know. So, and this goes to both of you, you and Ken. Um, so, Yanni, what game um, if, uh, if me and Bill are scouts and we're vouching for you we're pounding the table for you? What game can we convince our our GM or our director of scouting to watch uh, to convince them that you deserve opportunity and you can play football?
7: Uh, I think i have to say the game against New Haven this past year, my fifth year. Uh, it was mm-hmm. kind of a back-and-forth game. We went down, I think it was either 10 or 14 in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter was kind of just a shootout. We got uh, into one score and then we tied it up. They scored. We tied it up again. They scored and then we kind of had to score one final time and we did. And then uh, their field goal, their kicker actually missed the field goal as time expired. So we won on a missed field goal. It was just like a real competitive game. <laughs> no. So yeah, I made a way, lot. Man. Yeah, I mean, I made a lot of good throws. I think I had four touchdowns, so it was it was a good game and I think I played really well. Okay, so what do you think? Uh, I know you. Know you played well.
3: So what do you think the scouts uh, or whoever's evaluating that game about you will come away saying about uh, that quarterback for LIU Post?
7: Uh, I think my accuracy. There's some throws I made in tight windows. Uh, some throws uh, in the end zone that like kind of like just squeaked in there over the DB's hand or through a guy's hand. So made some tight throws that game. Uh, I guess. My my calmness, like, because I mean, if they can see the score, it's kind of like back and forth game. I can see that I'm the same player throughout the game, and uh, just kind of staying confident throughout the game. Awesome, man. Good good stuff. Ken. Yes, I'm here. Yes.
3: Same same question for you, man. What what game? What school? If I'm pounding the table and said, "I love this kid," I think we should take a chance on them. What game am I showing to? My general
5: manager or my director of scouting. Uh, I honestly have to say uh, when we played in the University of Georgia, my sophomore year, I feel like I one. You, mean, you, when you it, said when
3: they when they had Keith Marshall and Nick Chubb and yeah, all those Tony guys. <laughs> yeah, that was that was honest,
0: okay.
5: that, that was honestly my best game of my college career. It just it, just, it honestly showed that it doesn't matter like <laughs> who you play for or or what where you at. It just at the end of the day, it's football, and I played a very physical and dominating game that day. I think I finished with like twelve tackles and three tackles for loss. So it really, it really just showed. Like, unless unless you can put your helmet, shoulder pads, cleats, pants, and jersey on all at one time, then you're no different than the next guy. And right. That was basically my mentality when I walked went into uh, the the uh, stadium in Athens. It was just like. You've been playing this game your whole life, and you know that just because you're playing FCS ball and this is the top top of the top, the SEC, that there's honestly no difference that if you just play your game, then you can excel in what you do.
3: Awesome. Now, I'm I'm assuming um, Georgia won, and uh, did they win? Oh, yeah, they, they won.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they won. Did, do you remember, was it, and
3: this is not. I'm not really trying to get to the score, but wasn't it a marginal victory that they won by, like,
5: a lot of points? Uh, I mean, honestly, at the end of the first half, the score was 17-7. to 7. Uh, Nick Chubb only had 20 rushing yards, but in the second half, when the coach, I'm not going to say that we, we could have beat them because, honestly, the, our twos and threes and whatnot, we, they, they honestly couldn't run with Georgia's twos and threes. But in the second half, we saw they came out and they just started pounding the down our throw. And then that's when Coach just – he started – he took the starters out, like, early in the third quarter, actually. And after that, the second and third team, they were playing. They were out playing against Georgia's second team and third team. And from there, it just – the score just started increasing. And our offense, they weren't moving the ball anymore because their our second third team offense was in. So, at the end of the game, I think it was, like, Forty-eight to seven, I want to say. Okay, but, but yeah, telling I, the I first.
3: I'm sorry,
5: go ahead. No, I I, I I get what you're saying, but it it was honestly it was a football game in the first half, but in the second half, like I said, just, just that's when the scores started increasing.
3: My point of bringing it up was not to get to the score, because again, like I said, I assume that they won. Um, oh yeah. I assume they won. Uh, you know, probably had by a marginal victory. The point I was trying to make was uh, that. Uh, one thing I do know about scouts, um, is that a game like that against big time school, big time program, um, they you know, I'm sure they take I'm sure they took note. I know Scouts came there to watch, you know, the three running backs and um and they were like, Wow, you know, southern guys came to play. So that's a good that's a good example of a good of a take that yeah, you know, we, yeah. that will be that would be good for you. So, um Again, guys, thanks again for your time, um, and thanks for your patience. Uh, again, I, I myself and Bill believe uh, you know the 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 style we have on the show is, is pretty fun and engaging. And I'm gonna be honest, I had a real good time, um, you know, going back and forth with the quarterback, and uh, that's why we like having quarterbacks on our on, on our show, man, because uh, we like to you know have them trade uh, strategies with defensive players, specifically linebackers and. And safeties, man, so I really enjoyed that engagement. I, I hope you guys did as well.
7: Oh yeah, yeah, it's cool. Okay. So,
3: um, uh, just like I, uh, yeah, told Albert and everyone else that was on the call before, and Andrew, um, you guys will be um receiving a follow-up email from me. Um, if I don't have your emails, I will reach out to you and get your email address. And what I'll send you is a uh, follow-up questions. Um, again, it's a profile we're building out for nothing but sports. And um, if you can provide a picture, there, that'll be great. Um, so, um, Yanni, man, uh, I know you'll get into a pro day, man. I know you're going to show out, man. So, hopefully, we can get, bring you guys back and follow up on uh, how your pro days went. Um, same with you, Ken. I know uh, next Friday or this coming Friday, man. You, you know, you're going. You and uh, Aaron, man. Make sure you give Aaron a shout out for me, and also. Because now we got two Southern guys on. Tell Danny Johnson. Now I need both of you guys to go back and tell Danny he needs to get on the show as well.
5: I got you, yeah. Danny, he's he a very busy man, but, yeah, I definitely will.
3: He just finished yeah. up with the combine, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I know. And I, Aaron told me that him and they were like best friends. Is that right?
5: Oh, yeah. We all, we all every, me, Danny, and Aaron, and our quarterback, we were very close.
3: Cool. All, right, all right, gentlemen. Again, thanks for your time. Um, Appreciate everything, Yanni. Thanks for being patient and sticking with us and following up this week, man. Sorry about uh, last week. So uh, you guys enjoy the rest of your Saturday, man. I will stay in touch. All
7: right. Thank you. Appreciate it.
3: Good luck. All right. Take
6: care. All right.